Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome along to uh, to my home. For those of you here for the first time, uh, it's great that you uh, could come. It's my pleasure to introduce uh, our uh, presenters this afternoon. We've got Corny, who's come over from Western Australia, uh, and he's going to be uh, answering questions and talking to you about. Uh, his life and uh, some of the things that he's realised, it, it's quite astounding. And uh, I'd also like to introduce you to uh, AJ, who's uh, given his time, and he lives three hours from here, and he's come to do this talk uh, this afternoon. There's a box outside uh, for donations, and I would encourage you to uh, be generous, um, because it's done for free, and. Uh, we wanted to continue, so let's let's give uh, Corny and AJ a really enthusiastic Udlo uh, welcome. Today you might not feel like doing that. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, because today I've got uh, a session that I'm even afraid to present. <laughs> um, so what I'm going to do is just hand out. There's four pages here for everyone. Uh, two two pages actually. Two pages printed double sized. So if you could just take the top two and then pass them on, and we'll do the same at the back. A lot of new faces today, welcome, and uh, I just wanted to thank to, I wanted to give a special thanks to Fraser for doing the videoing for us today, and his videos turn out with really nice quality, you can even see the whiskers on my face, and, <laughs> and that worries me a lot, so I just uh, have to acknowledge that, and, and I'd like to thank Peter too for his effort organising today. Um, he had some stuff on this morning, and it required a bit of uh, manipulation of his timing to, to, to make sure everything worked. And uh, so I'd like to thank him too for his time today. How's everyone going with those sheets? Oh, somebody needs to give me one. <laughs> Thank you. I need one. Any spares? Peter. Who else? 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 Who after we go through today, you'll probably understand why it'll be my last session for six to eight weeks. Because <laughs> I've got some fairly uh, deep emotions that have come up for me over the last week or two, and I feel like I need to get some alone time to deal with those emotions. So I'm going to be doing a little bit of uh, hiking by myself and things like that, and just going off into the wilderness, <laughs> and uh, doing a bit of my own emotional work so that I can get over these emotions. But one, one thing I would like to do though is invite 
Cornelius up with me as well. So if Cornelius can join me. What I would like to do first, there are some of you that it's the first time that you're here and have all of you watched the DVDs, those introductory DVDs? Very good. Now, um, Cornelius is one of the 14 uh, that I've mentioned in those DVDs. And uh, it's probably, for many of you, the first time you've met another one of the 14. So what I would like to do is just introduce him to you. <laughs> and uh, he's been a friend of mine for a long time, a couple of thousand years. And, uh, and I just feel that it would be very, very good for you to get to know him a bit too. And so any of your questions that you want to ask today, please feel free to ask myself or Corny questions. Oh, by the way, Corny's the shortened firm of Cornelius. For those hey. Corny, Corny's real name, by the way, is David Walsh. Uh, he comes from Western Australia. He lives there at the moment, but was born in Melbourne. But uh, I've always felt him to be Cornelius from the moment I've met him. I haven't. <laughs> so uh, that'll give you a chance to just... Uh, understand a little too of what it's like for different ones of the 14 going through the processes they're going through of, realisa of realisation of who they are. Alright, so what we want to do first is we're going to just uh, have a sort of quiet fireside chat. We'll try and be loud enough with our voices so that we can carry to the end there. And you can ask any questions that you want. So feel free to do that today. And then what we're going to do is have a break and Afterwards, I'll do a presentation of some fairly confronting material for you to have a look at in your own lives. And uh, you'll notice in the handouts that I've given you today that there's some swear words in them, which is, which is a first, isn't it? I think. And so those who, of you who feel like you're offended with that, I'm, I'm not sorry, actually. <laughs> Um, and what I would like to do today a bit is to help you see what emotions are truly within yourself rather than just glossing over these kinds of emotions and help you also go through the process of being able to connect with them in, in, a, in a very rapid way if you want to. So that's what I was trying, what, what I wanted to present today. All right, so. For those of you who are new, this is your opportunity to ask questions, ask away. Um, sit down. Yeah. Far away. Um, I'm, I don't know if this is going to be part of your lecture, but I'm really interested in the soul from the perspective that I'm a half of another soul. Yep. And when Well, I've answered most of those questions in previous discussions, 
there was a discussion about a month ago in Brisbane called The Human Soul that answered most of those questions. So my suggestion would be to have a look at that video. It should be, I think it's published now, isn't it, Peter? On the table. I have on the table. Um, it's called? Just, I called it The Human Soul. Yep. And we discussed the whole separation there and what's going on and, and, and soulmate attraction, what it's really about. So uh, rather than answer those questions again, for those people who have already heard those answers, my suggestion would be to have a look at that video. I'm just interested uh, <coughs> what your approach in this slide to the Eucharist service. Um, the Eucharist service? In other words, the, uh, the religious practice of celebrating my blood and, and flesh. Um, I don't agree with it at all um, and never have agreed with it even in the spirit world. Um, it's, it was something that was instituted after my death and it wasn't instituted by me as was claimed. And uh, it focuses far too much on myself and my life rather than what is on the real, real saving of the soul, which is to do with God's love entering the soul. And so um, further gospel revisionists modified these things to line them up with the Pauline philosophies from the what, what would be called the Old Testament of the Bible trying to marry up why the Israelites had sacrifices or blood sacrifices for sin and then it was then attributed that I was then the saviour of man's sin and that obviously is not correct either as you will find, any of you will find as soon as you pass that any sins that you have not paid for at the time of your passing you will still be paying for when you pass so, um, so all of those teachings are not based on truth and they weren't teachings that I taught in the first century either um, I'm sort of dealing with a little bit of commitment at the moment because um, uh, in my world I have many ideas of reincarnation, like somebody has said that you're over-lighted with Jesus, you're not actually reincarnation of Jesus, and um, I've defended you, I've not defended you, oh, oh my goodness, where do I stand? Like, what should I, do I, uh, as you can remember, you can already feel my so, in, um, do I have to make up my mind and follow you, follow that person, or oh, I can't see you because you told me la la la, mm -hmm. or can I just go there? Like, it's worrying me that if I'm not committed to one thing that I feel really, like right from the word, word go that I met you, I felt, you know, a real connection and everything you said has resonated with me. Mm -hmm. So, I'm worrying in my own world that if I can't commit to that, what am I putting out in my law of attraction that I'll get back? Will I just get massive confusion <coughs> back and non-commitment? No, I'm serious. No, that's very, like, that's very this true. This is um, a big thing for me because so many people, and they deal in past lives, and I've <coughs> had many past life healings and all this sort of thing, and now yeah. you're giving a different, and whatever you say too feels really right as well. Mm. So I am impressed with this confusion. Um, once I, after the six-week sabbatical that I've taken, um, I will be doing a discussion on reincarnation as a whole discussion. Um, because a, a lot of people are asking a lot of questions about reincarnation and why. And, um, my suggestion, though, is that on the CDs that you've already been given, for those of you who have received those, those that aren't, haven't received, I think there are some here, aren't they, Peter? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
there's some at the table. Um, on that CD, there is a 100-page document that I've written about reincarnation. And my suggestion is to read that document. And that will help you go through a lot of what's actually occurring with regards to spirit interaction. Most people's belief in reincarnation revolve around spirit interaction, what, what they don't understand about spirit interaction. And so I find the majority of people don't want to come and see me again after they hear the truth about reincarnation. And so um, I understand their feelings and their viewpoint. My suggestion is that reincarnation is not a major issue. It's nowhere near as major as what many people are making it to be. Because in the end, your soul can progress no matter what condition you're in, no matter where you are. So, so when a person passes into the spirit world, one of the things that if you're a medium you would know is that spirits do progress in the spirit world, right? So if that's the case, then it's obvious that you don't have to return to earth to progress. So the whole viewpoint of reincarnation from a point of view of having to come back to earth to progress spiritually is incorrect. But let's address your emotion. Your emotion is one of confusion and you are getting that reflected back on you. And the key for you now is just to ask, to, to now search for the truth on that subject inside of yourself. So my suggestion is to read the pageant messages on the subject, read the, the document that I've written on the subject, and then let that resonate or not resonate with you depending on how you're feeling at the time. You will find all the way through your progression, and this applies to all of you, that you'll read something today and not understand it at all, or perhaps disagree with it totally, and then in six months time after you've dealt with a whole group of emotions, you'll find you'll be able to go back and read that same material and think totally differently, even perhaps totally the opposite way as to what you thought six months earlier. So my suggestion is to not judge any of your current feelings about the matter so much, but just keep focusing on your emotional progression, on your soul progression. Focus on that, and as you focus on that, and if you stay in truth with that, all of these other truths, the truth about reincarnation, the truth about you know, natural love, and the truth about the moral laws and all those other things, they'll all come to you, and you'll realise them in your heart. So, so do that first go through that process first. But you were right, when you are in a state of confusion, you will get lots of people around you reflecting your confusion back to you. And that is your law of attraction. And it's there to, to show you, hang a sec, you're in a state of confusion and you need to work your way through that issue emotionally, not intellectually. So it's not about studying more, it's about feeling confused, letting yourself feel confused. Let yourself go into that emotion. Who do I trust? You know, go into that emotion because that's the emotion that's being exposed. So many of you feel attracted to what I'm saying to you at the soul level, but you also feel that you can't trust me 100%, right? And that's, that's, that's the trust issue coming up for you. Yep. You. I think it's very helpful. Um, 
because what was the, question? Uh, the question was, um, is it helpful to think that your soul is perfect, um, particularly when, it, when you're first incarnated? And yes, I think it's very helpful to understand that all of us have been created perfectly and when we first incarnated we were in a pristine state. Because then we don't identify ourselves and our personality with our errors. See, many of you at the moment through your emotional processing are having a problem by that you are now identifying yourself as the error and you feel so ashamed of yourself as a result. And then you don't allow yourself to feel the emotion. Right? So let's say you had a feeling inside of you of rage, so much rage that there's some people that you actually feel you'd like to kill. <coughs> you actually feel that. You don't act on it, but you feel it. Now, if you identify yourself with that emotion, what's going to happen is you're going to start feeling yourself that, that that's you. And then you'll be ashamed of yourself for having that feeling. And what do you generally do when you're so ashamed? you generally don't allow yourself to process that emotion. Does that make sense? And, and so it can be a great impediment to you thinking that this emotion is really you. The truth is that every emotion that's in disharmony with natural love, and obviously murdering someone is in disharmony with natural love, every emotion in disharmony with natural love wasn't in you at the beginning. It got in you through this process of absorption of emotions from your family and your parents and from the surroundings and so forth. So those emotions in you do not define you. They are not you. They are, they are mud being splattered at you that have, your soul has now absorbed. And if you can see yourself as a pristine soul with all this mud and all the process that we're suggesting is to squirt off the mud. <laughs> Uh, which, is me which means I'm going to I'll be able to identify that mud, I'm going to be able to see it, I'll be able to feel it, and but the process of feeling it and experiencing it, will, it'll wash off of me, and that's the process that I need to allow myself to go through. So yes, it can be certainly very helpful for you to think of yourself as a pristine soul with a lot of mud that's been splattered at you. Yeah. So And you can go into a lot of these processes metaphysically, but they will not work. What you will need to do is go into them experientially. In other words, you are going to have to feel every emotion that's mud inside of you as it passes through you. And that is the process of washing it out of you. So every time you try to do it a different way, you will find in the end that you're just fooling yourself in the end. Right? And, and so this is why a lot of people have been doing these things for years and years and years and then when I talk to them for five minutes, they get angry with me. Well, why is the anger in them? Because they, all this process that they thought they had, that they thought worked, didn't actually work because their understanding of it was that they, could, they, they didn't have to feel it or experience it. So the truth is that you're going to have to experience every emotion that's mud in you. Right. Oh. How many of you are a bit depressed about that? Right. But can you see that it's a, part, it's a part of you, it's become a part of you, it's all locked up in you. 
how else is it going to come out? Now, you can tap your way out of it, or you can do all sorts of other techniques way out of it, but you're not going to get out of it until you experience it. Then you will get out of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Um, AJ, on your human level, yeah. and, um, and your soul level, at times, I imagine, might be in in relation to your own emotional growth and your own emotional blocks or life or things that you're dealing with through your life. Yep. When, when these sessions that are happening in connection to where you're sitting and getting at, yep. have, do you ever go away and wonder whether anything that has come to you from <coughs> has triggered anything that you might be struggling with? The groups trigger me constantly. Because right. you've, got, you've got 100 or 200 people projecting all sorts of emotions at you. So how, how, how do you manage that? Like what, what, do you, what do you do on a practical level? I don't manage it. Oh, okay. I, just, I just go into it. Like, so, so at the moment I can feel like there's probably a third of you are sort of on the lines of, yeah, I reckon he might be Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Three quarters, you know, the other two thirds, or just a, just a bit under two thirds are, you know, oh, I don't know about this, you know, like, there's a lot of those kind of emotions coming. And later you'll find there'll be lots of emotions coming from you that I'll identify as we go through. And what I'm trying to do every single time is just allow myself to feel what's going on all the time. So that doesn't impact on any projection back from you in any way from an emotional drop? You're able to clear it as you're going through to understand? No, no, it may trigger me now and then I have to go home and maybe spend a whole week dealing with something as a result. That's happened many times. Like I've had groups where you know, one half of the audience has just gotten up and walked out. And, and of course that has an effect on me, right? Because if I've got emotions of unworthiness or whatever within me, they get triggered straight away. And then I have, I've had where people have got up and projected lots of anger at me, and, like, and, I, and I go home confused because I'm saying, I just did a free session and they're angry with me. Like, how can you be angry with someone who just give you something for free? <laughs> you know, so I'd go home and process that emotion, you know, and feel all those emotions as they're coming up. So the, the key thing is to allow yourself to feel everything you're feeling at the time you're feeling it. That's the most powerful thing. Yeah. But not always easy. I was wondering if Cornelius could share some of his experience like, since starting on the Divine Love Path. And Processing your emotions? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm an expert at it, but um, where do you want to start? Like, oh, just from like where you were beforehand and what state you're in, and then as you've been, you know, processing your emotions, what's been. Do you mean like identity-wise, or just in general? Yeah, just just like in general, like what you've sort of noticed and all through my life, just generally, just done that sort of thing anyway. Really, just sort of just felt things and just gone with them. I find now I'm starting to block down a bit more to stuff that I didn't understand. I'm starting to understand. I don't want to see it now. Well, first century stuff, just life's been quite good and everything's hasn't been a hell of a lot, but there's a lot of stuff now I don't really want to go near if I have to. And do you find it hard to actually, in the beginning, to kind of get in touch with your emotions, or was it pretty, pretty easy for you in the beginning? Um, I don't think I thought about it much, I suppose, back then. I find just easy flowing more so. Sometimes I went like suppressed in big time. Um, actually needed some help at some stage, like I had to go and see a lady, just had a complete meltdown. 
that helped a lot, sort of like getting, I was actually so shut down, didn't even know what feeling was, I didn't even know what words, like to describe what I, I couldn't even describe what I was feeling, so I didn't even have, it was numb. So I had to relearn how to feel again. Mm. So that was kind of difficult, but um, it helped a lot. And just a, just a, such a shut down shell, of, just all, so I felt like a shell. It's just you no know, life inside it. And um, had to learn that way, I suppose, so like help, asking for some help, which I've had to do often enough. <laughs> Um, and even relationships, just learning things through relationships, like feedback from the girlfriend I might have been with at the time, it was just not the person that would hold a girl's hand and, and tried it and just kept doing it and just trying that, seeing how that felt and noticed how I just felt uncomfortable with love sort of at first, I suppose, and even um, with other ones, there's just lots of things. But it still comes sort of, it was natural, then it kind of locked away, then it's sort of coming back a little bit more again. I don't know if that really answers your question though. Is it it's getting easier though as you... Um, still, I still have trouble with the mind stuff, like it can feel yourself blocking it down, shutting it down. I had trouble the other week, or just during the week, the stuff coming up. It came up and I kind of pushed it right down to really stop. That's quite really hard. And then started um, sitting outside, just from, excuse me, it's <laughs> gonna happen. And doing some writing, and just started doing some writing with the left hand, just writing like questions to myself, like how do I feel about um, soulmate love, and there's a lot of anger come with that, and just kept writing stuff down the left hand, asking questions and answering with the right hand. And oftentimes I'd answer and know that I wasn't truthful, and I'd the left hand would correct myself. <laughs> and I'm asking the, what's the truth of your answer. Um, and that got down to just a big one of feeling just completely unloved, and then felt angry come up with that and maybe I've got a boxing bag there so I just walked over to it and slipped the gloves on just, just sat down and go and punch it. It's just every time I go and done that at release I've always hurt myself. <laughs> um, I could feel it coming up and feel like I've got to punch it now, I've got to punch it now. I could feel the anger coming up. I know that's the moment I have to get it when it's really strong. Otherwise I knew it was just going to slide away and it did slide away. I punched him, Mozzie, he bit my foot, so I punched him. Um, I was disappointed that didn't happen, so I went inside and just had some music. I got an MP3 player to sort of seem to trigger me, so just put that on, that worked. That just kept on trying different things that were going to help to trigger it. Just try and stay in it as much as you can when it comes up, because I try and walk away from it a lot of times. Just the fear or the pain of what's going to come up, but just judging it by doing that anyway, rather than just trying to let it flow. It's like a relearning process when you're a kid. They just go and go nuts, and didn't matter where, right in front of everybody in the shopping centre, didn't care, you didn't care. But now we just judge ourselves every time something comes up, we just shut it down straight away. And I felt myself doing that lately, and I've been trying to do the opposite now, as soon as it's coming up, just try and go with it now. Just trying to catch yourself in that moment. And when something falls up, and go, ooh, shut that down. You're just trying to know, let it go. I'm just trying to get more into the flow of just feeling naturally, and relearning how to do it when you're a kid. I feel it's like double the load. I'm still a soul, I'm still a person like you with injuries too, and I'm probably returning. You can understand that process a bit easier. I don't know if you do understand that. Yeah, it's just like. All the memories, all, like there's all memories within your soul up at that stage, but reincarnating, you still have the memories, but there's no energy attached. You work through all that. Like no emotion attached to them, no negative stuff. So it's just a memory. But as soon as you incarnate into your parents' body, or the mum's body, it's also got dad's feelings as well there. 
anything they've got is just going to be like energize whatever memory is there. Like there's lost heaps of loss of love for me in the first century. And so mum, after talking to her, I couldn't understand lots of stuff. I just didn't understand it because I didn't know anything about this. And I worked through lots of stuff and nothing was coming up. And um, but I even asked mum about that, about, <coughs> about loss of love, all of the feelings I was having. And I come to the truth about how I felt about my mother now not about it, but how I felt as a kid. I just didn't feel loved, I was cared for beautifully and stuff and looked after her and everything like that. And even the memories I have about mum and dad's relationship, dad had come home as soon as he comes through the door and just give mum a big hug thing, give a kiss and we'd imitate him and stuff like that. And um, but I still didn't, I can't ever remember being hugged. I can't ever remember being like kind of nurtured. And um, I rang mum up and told her about that that's how I was feeling and she's quite honest and she's good actually. She didn't bark back and say, oh, you were completely loved your whole life or anything. She's actually honest and said, that's that's probably the same for her when she was a kid and it's just carried through just in a generation where she said, oh, you you've been be seen and not heard. And so she's kind of shut down. And she's been, I just realised the other day when she'd actually started doing some stuff in herself and it's probably that time I had a meltdown. I want. I just realised. I wonder if it's because she was doing that at that time too. It actually triggered stuff for me. Because the most loving thing a parent can do for their child is work on themselves. It's the most loving thing you could ever do. Oh, so this spiritual you actually give stuff in the physical. Yeah. Now you've been in the physical beliefs of parents, and I've been working. Yeah. There's um. There's another one. There's this other oh, therapy stuff I was doing. It's kept on coming up. These feelings of being, like all the symptoms of being sexually abused, and I'm thinking remember most of it, older and stuff like that, and I don't get it, and I had to keep revisiting and revisiting it, because it kept on like coming up, and I was attracting old girlfriends that had been sexually abused too, and I thought, what's going on there? And I thought, maybe it's something I don't want to entertain, so I'd entertain it again, like trying to go back into it, and your breathing helps, eh? And then... Yeah, I just kept on pushing it away so that I'm not understanding it when all this stuff come up about you know the um, reincarnation thing which didn't want to take on goal. Starting to come up some truth that happened in the first century as a kid. And I was asking I rang up mum and dad even if I can ask them why have they been sexually abused? Because I had no idea what was going on. And stuff and I say no surprise they know. I come in shocked by the question. <coughs> But if you can imagine like 2,000 years of experiences, all them stuffed through a heap of emotions from your parents, rather than no experiences. So, so like in your first incarnation, what you're doing is you, you, you incarnate, and at that moment you just absorb the emotional experiences of your parents that they've unresolved, that they have to unresolve, and your environment. But if you've got 2,000 years of pre, his, pre that history, What's happening is that all of those experiences all get filtered through that uh, those emotions of your parents. So, so, so then, do you think we're going to have more or less to do with them? Yeah. It only comes up when you when it allows. I've tried both things: just try and denying everything, denying identity and stuff like that, and it's made things more uncomfortable. I feel I feel probably more further away from myself, but more, less in touch. And then just trying the other way, try and see what happens when I just try and let that stuff happen and just come on. It's the same for yourselves, just if you just let it happen and see what happens. And you 
it's really true and he starts feeling that the hurt and stuff and when you go through it, it's the only time I really feel alive, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. So I feel real, I feel like me, you know, I'm starting to feel everything. So and that's and that's what your soul is really, it's just everything, it's all your feelings and everything. So I guess that's finding yourself. It is, it's beautiful for everybody when they're in truth and they you know, they put this hard cover on trying to be you know, be the man or you know, trying to be tough, trying to like be strong, all that crap. You know, when they're just real, it's beautiful, isn't it really? At the time of your mum's death, you had hardly any emotion, and that was because you're so that you were so totally shut down about this emotion of not being loved. But what's happening over the last two years? You're slowly opening up with that emotion. So now you'll actually go through a period where you don't, where you feel that you weren't loved, but you also have some positive feelings that you can have that healed as well. And obviously, your mother in the spirit world can see can see your emotions better than what she could see them when she was alive. And so that, uh, that means that when you start working through these emotions, there's a good chance she'll be ready to work through why she didn't love you as well. And that will help you both quite a lot. Yeah. yeah. How, how far can we help others to recover from their pain and sickness? How far can I? <coughs> help someone who is very near to me, it's my husband, <coughs> suffering on stroke, how far, what can I do for him? I do for myself. I am grateful for the tapes we got about three, four weeks. We are looking at them. They are beautiful. I get, uh, get away from the fear of death. I am slowly working on to be alone. To respect it, I am going through this. I, I have a feeling I melt a lot of my errors. Mm-hmm. I recognize them. I try to compare them with the truth, and then I cry also a lot all the time. Yep. 
he's in hospital, he should be here. Yeah. And so the question my is how. Question is, I asked, the, excuse me, the divine love to go into his soul, enter the soul of him, and touch his soul and his heart with divine love's love. Yeah. That he can recognize and build on that. Well, is that all I can do? Well, the truth is that we can't actually ask for divine love to enter another person. Okay. The reason why is because the divine love only enters the soul when the soul itself is open to receiving that love. But we can ask God a lot of other things to help the person open up to love. So, so when we pray for another person, the key is to direct our longings to, to help the person, for God to help the person in ever, whichever way is possible, to open their heart to God's love entering. And what God's constantly trying to do with all of his children is he's constantly trying to help the child get to a point where they will open their heart to love. And, and so the main way that we can help them is firstly, by our own example, opening up to love ourselves. But in terms of helping another it's very, very difficult to help another if they do not want assistance. He's in doubt. Yeah. Between yeah. yes and no. Yeah. And, and if a person's in that state, they must first move through that state emotionally and to, to get to the point where they really do want God's love to enter their heart. From that moment on, now they're getting lots of assistance, not only from yourself, but also from spirits and other, other people and the law of attraction. There's a lot of things that change. For many of you... You would have watched the those who watched the DVDs the first time in the last few weeks since Peter's seminar. How many of you had some emotional things happening within the week after watching it? Can you just indicate? So quite a few. Hey, why was that? Because the DVDs had the effect of just opening your heart a little bit to some more truth inside of yourself, and as soon as that occurs, your heart now is wanting a connection with God. And as soon as your heart wants it, God gives you some of the divine love, and the divine love softens you up. Right? It turns your heart of stone into a heart of flesh. In other words, it softens you up so much that eventually you can feel more and more and more of your own emotion. And, and in fact, more and more and more of other people's emotion too. Um, so that's the process. Is to You can certainly pray for others to be assisted, but... but they're not going to receive divine love until they personally have a longing for it. <coughs> but obviously if you're living in truth and you're living in love and you're doing all the things that, you know, and you're receiving divine love, that's going to have a very powerful effect on everyone around you. Everyone around you is going to feel the change in you and everyone around you is going to be very much influenced by you. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So the key is to focus firstly on your own transition. Focus firstly on that. And, and in that process, part of that will be praying for others to be open as well. But in the process of you opening, your soul will in fact trigger the opening of so many others as well in the process, just automatically. Yeah. Um, thanks for sharing the uh, um, from what I hear is saying there's a quite a bit of experimentation involved in looking yeah. for those triggers and I guess that's the goal, isn't it, to, to find those sensitive parts of ourselves. Mm. Um, I'm wondering, uh, I guess I, I see it like walking into a, like a beam, as it were, it's like 
pull, you know, you get get the light and it triggers something. Um, and what I guess I'm concerned about is where, what's the difference? Uh, it's like you could totally immerse yourself and wallow in that. Um, is it like you just go in enough just to trigger something and then be with what's triggered yeah. rather than just sort of... Um, keep going, keep going. Yeah, yeah. Keep going, yeah. Try, you've got to go. So, so it's like a little incremental, is it? Is it like you, you just go out in an incremental way? It's like the lady said about the onion. You can just go and skimmer a little layer if you want, but the onion's pretty thick. Yeah. So you can just try and get through as many layers as you can, as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. And after a while, it's not scary as much. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, you've come through, I'm alive still. Mm -hmm. No, it's not as bad as I thought. And that was years ago, like that one was about 16, and through some stuff, and it's still alive. So. It can't be too bad. So maybe have a bit more confidence <coughs> later on to experience more awakenings, I suppose. There was a whole set that was shut down at that same time too. But um, and it's also like you've heard the term "God only gives you what you can handle" sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's I don't know if that's true or not, but <laughs> it's, your own, it's your own desire. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of more about your own desire. Where you how far are you willing? You know how much do you want this stuff out of yourself? How much do you want to spray off? It's happy you want to be. But it seems like your willingness to jump into it, your capacity to do that seems to increase, have increased, is that right? Um, I suppose anything like you do it over time, you get more confident at something, or you know the process, or you know what you're doing, you start to oh, nah, nah, put yourself out there. Now you, know, you know what you're doing after a while, you become more self-aware of what's going on, emotionally. But the key is, yeah, go right into the emotion. But, but don't stay in capping emotions. What I mean, and we were talking about this more a little later, is a lot of us get into an emotion, like say the emotion of, like, I hate women comes up, right? So, you know, with what women have done to me and all those kind of things, I finish up feeling this feeling of emotion inside of me of hating women. But let's say that's emotion is inside of me, and if I'm a woman, let's say it's that I hate men emotion, right? Is inside of me. If that emotion, if I stay in that emotion, rather than actually experiencing that emotion, I'll actually, I could actually do some very, very damaging things from that point onwards to, to women or men, right? The key, the key is to get into the emotion. So let's say the emotion is I hate women, and then get out boxing gloves or a bag or a, you know, a bat, and just go hell for leather, just expressing that emotion to its full depth in a, in a, in a situation where you're not projecting the emotion on other people, right? And just go for it, and really, really go for it, and really get into it. If you do that within a few minutes, generally, you'll get underneath that emotion and into the grief that that emotion covers. You follow me? But if, if you don't fully express it, you will seethe with it. And when you seethe with it, you will not address the emotion. And on top of that, you will actually be projecting lots of damaging emotion to every single person around you, your own children. Every single person around you will be receiving those emotions because you're not owning them. The instant you own it will be the instant you choose to fully experience it and do it in a setting that, that, is, that is a safe setting. And, and so this is where, in the end, every setting will be a safe setting, right? Like somebody will, you know, you, somebody will trigger your I hate women emotion and you'll be able to just go outside and yell and scream and rant and rave and everyone will say, isn't it great? He's just connected with that emotion, right? <laughs> Nowadays, what happens a lot, though, when somebody goes outside and rants and raves and carries on about something, what do we all feel? <laughs> Heaps of judgment, don't we? And so, therefore, they shut down and they never get to the underlying grief. 
And, and so the capping, we stay in the capping emotions often. So don't stay in those. Go into them and fully experience them. Really allow yourself to fully experience the capping emotion. So like this week I've had a lot of rage with, with God, you know, and so I'm out with a baseball bat, you know, swearing and screaming and tanning, right? And, and I'll describe some of those emotions that I was feeling a bit late, a little later. And just go for it. And, and you find within a few minutes, uh, all the emotion just rises in you and you, you go into the grief that that rage is covering. So allow yourself to fully experience the emotion. Really get into the emotion. Go deeper and deeper and stay in it as long as possible. Because what will happen to, is that a lot of people feel that oh, you can stay in it for years. The truth is you can only stay in a capping emotion for years. The actual causal emotion is experienced just like you would have experienced it as a child. Right? Well, how does a child experience rage? They might rage for 10 minutes and then it's all out of them, isn't it? And then what are they in? Crying and sobbing. And that might go for, let's say, half an hour. And then that's all out of them as well. Do you follow me? This is what often happens to a child. But because we've shut all that down, all that processing down, what's happened now is we need to go through that same process of fully expressing the rage, fully expressing the grief, and really going into it. And stay in it, stay in it, until it's exhausted. And then when it's exhausted, you won't need to visit it again. If, if you didn't exhaust it, you will need to visit it again. Sorry, Jay, you're saying... Use the law of attraction moments that trigger a feeling. Mm -hmm. Go into it, and that, if you keep working into it, like some and then it might bring up the closest to the core emotion around yeah. what is actually the child. And you don't even need to use the law of attraction moments. If you know that this week you had three times where you were angry with men, for example, then you can actually you, you can write that down right at that moment, even if you don't feel you can experience it. And just revisit those first thing, you know, Friday night, come home, all right, I'm going to deal with this angry as men. You don't need to wait for another law of attraction trigger to deal with it. Just put yourself back into those situations. Get out, get out something that can express your rage and fully <coughs> express the rage to such an extent that you're like a child expressing the rage. And when you get into that state, you'll find that very soon afterwards, you'll get into the underlying state. If you don't do that, what will happen is you'll stay in a seething state, in a simmering state, right? And when you stay in a simmering state, there are, there are people in the spirit world who have stayed in that state for tens of thousands of years, in a seething state, right? Where you're seething, but not actually experiencing the underlying emotion. So I don't, I'm not suggesting doing that. Spirit, spirit world, isn't there? I was talking to a spirit that was still affected. There's a couple of spirits still affected by my actions and about 2,000 years ago, still in that state. It's a long, long time. It's so sad that they have to be in that state. They don't have to be, but they choose to be. So they don't want to go further with what they grief. I want to go back to something you said in a release, there's a feeling of aliveness in it. Mm. I, I had an experience, so Rara and I were working through quite a lot of mental stuff and emotional stuff, and we were being quite expressive, but all of a sudden I felt um, it was like an emotion that was there, it was organic, it was like a, this sort of shape thing inside me, and it only lasted for a few seconds, um, and then 
when I came back to Brian, can I just stop you for a moment? Yes. I'm going to do something very confronting for you. Please. Can you stand up and turn around and then say that to the audience? Okay. <laughs> exactly what you were saying to us. Okay. So they can all can hear you, because this is okay. the emotion I want to trigger in you. Okay. Um, we've been working through quite a lot of uh, issues and uh, exploring and exposing beliefs. And uh, there was a time when we, we were working through something and there was a lot of emotional charge. And um, we were both being quite expressive, and I'm usually quite reserved, but um, it was productive, but all of a sudden I felt an emotion inside me, and there was a, it, had, it felt organic, and I could more, more or less see it as, as a tube like this, and it stopped me dead. I wouldn't say it, it wasn't blissful, it wasn't extremely distressing, it was just there, very powerful. And what I wanted to ask Cornelius was, while I was in this, just for those seconds, I don't think I felt as alive as that for a very long time. Mm -hmm. When we came back to still feeling free but continuing, the contrast between the aliveness there and that was really remarkable. And I would have, I thought afterwards, why didn't that continue? I, I felt it would have been wonderful if I'd just gone straight into, further into that. And that's what I wanted to ask about. So why didn't that feeling continue? That feeling of just being yes. alive? Oh, not, not necessarily that. There was obviously something deep and powerful there. Mm -hmm. and, and something seemed to not let me progress into it. Mm -hmm. That's what I wanted to ask about. You can sit down there. <laughs> Sorry, I fully understand the question, actually. That's um, it. What, what's, what was you, happening is yeah. that you, you had that experience where you're experiencing the emotion for that for that for that few seconds. Yes. But then oftentimes there's another there's other capping emotions that that get triggered when we're fully experiencing an emotion. Right. This often happens when uh, well even things like during sex and things like that where <clears throat> where you'll be open emotionally to one feeling and then it will trigger this other feeling like a lack of trust or a lack of you know or hatred with men or something like that gets triggered through that process and the key is to then allow that to happen instantly afterwards but often what we do is we shut down that instant afterwards <coughs> so so what and we may need and then another occasion to do it so that <coughs> what you need to allow yourself to do in the end and what you will allow yourself to do in the end is that you'll be these emotions will just be coming out of you and passing through you constantly and you won't be checking them you won't be actually analyzing them You'll just be feeling every single one, and you won't worry if you go from a blissful emotion into this terrible grief and back into a blissful emotion in the cycle of a half an hour. That won't worry you. At the moment, it worries you because you think you're nuts doing it, right? Many times. But, but in the future, it won't worry you at all. You will just allow those cycles to occur, any emotion come up as it flows. And the key when you're fully choosing is you'll actually get to a stage where all of these emotions just pass through you constantly. And in a day, you, you go through different really happy emotions and then really sad emotions and then, you know, angry emotions. And then, like, in a day, you, you cycle. And everyone around you is saying, what's wrong with that person? No, they're not normal anymore. And you're right. You're not going to be normal anymore, right? Do you want to be normal anymore? Don't you want to just be real? And, and that feeling you described of feeling alive 
if you can stay in these emotions fairly consistently, you will feel very alive most of your time, most of the time. Yeah. I've found myself that it's only when I've shut down those emotions, I get back down into that suppressed state, that I now no longer feel connected with, even with myself anymore. So it's a relief for me to just yeah. feel whatever I'm feeling, whether it's happy, sad, crying, joy, yeah. angry, whatever it is. Yeah. I wasn't aware of anything that took me out of it again. But there would have been something. There would have been something. Yeah. Can, can, is there anything helpful? Is it like intentions? or? Well, the first thing, yeah. First thing is obviously say, well, right at that moment I was avoiding something. Yeah. What was it? Okay. Or that at moment I had a fear pop up. What was that? And ask yourself, just what what was the what were you afraid of in that instance? Yeah. And usually, you can access the underlying emotion <coughs> rapidly again if you do that. You'll be many of you will be very tempted, right? When you start this process, you'll start it. You'll feel quite enthused. You start it, and then within a week, you're thinking, "Wow, this is just totally overwhelming me. I can't handle this." And you'll want to shut it down. And um, I suppose the soul work should come with a warning. It's almost impossible to shut down once you start it. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why is because your soul loves feeling. <laughs> and after a while, you start, you start enjoying that feeling process. You'll find you process a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's also not something you do and get a certificate at the end of it either. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it becomes a way of life. It becomes a way of learning to be... It becomes freedom in the end. Yeah. It's truly what it becomes. I'm afraid to do what you feel like when you need to do it, and be loving in the same process of doing it. And it just and it also it does feel quite vulnerable a lot of the time though too. But the vulnerability is strength, and people don't understand that yet. A lot of time people don't want to go into an emotion because they feel vulnerable. But when you get into it and understand by being expressing how you want to be and trying to find your own self, who you truly are, not who you're supposed to be, that vulnerability of being yourself is such a strength. It's a real strength. And it's freedom. Mm -hmm. That same thing. Can you answer that way better than I could have thought? Wait, sir. Ah. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. AJ, uh, Cornelius was just mentioning uh, spirits that have gone around and they're still angry. Da, da, da. Yeah. We had a lady that came around to our place um, about a couple of years. Um, she did some functional hay on the house. Yeah. Um, it was probably four months ago. Yeah. Um, probably three months ago, there were some interesting things going on in our bedroom, not us. <laughs> well, that, that was interesting too. <laughs> but there's some things happening, so, and she um, remarked me from Randwell Place and said, How's everything going? I said, Well, you should mention that. There's some things going on up in our room that you could mention. So she went and she rang me back and um, said, Look, I've got someone else to help because I thought there was something going on. And she said, um, you've, you've had a, a couple of low points over the last couple of months, you know, you've been a bit upset about something. You've been over to the creek that runs past and you've picked up a, um, an entity. And this entity doesn't like you. Um, it doesn't like them. But it's attached to itself here. And you, have you found you've had a lot of anger coming out? And unexplained, I said, well, yeah, they're right. Um, <coughs> this entity, um, is that something that can happen? And, and how do we get rid of it or something? Uh, <laughs> first thing is, yes, this happens all the time. Right? And the reason why it happens is because of the law of attraction, though. There is an emotion in you that you're unaware of regarding anger with women. And this spirit is a woman who's angry with men. And your, angry, your anger with women causes her to feel like she is um, 
uh, you know, she feels offended of your anger with women, right? Uh, and so she feels it's unjust, and so she wants to be angry in return back to you. And so it's a law of attraction event, and it's there to help you access the underlying emotion. So once you deal with your underlying emotion of being angry with women, that you're probably not even aware of that you're having at the moment, right? What, ha what will happen is she will automatically detach from you, and uh, maybe she'll work through her emotion, or maybe she'll find another man she can be angry with. It. One of those two things will happen. Um, but this, uh, this spirit attraction is happening all the time. Many people are not aware that they've got 10, 15, 20 spirits attracted to them at any one time for all sorts of different emotional reasons within them. The key is to look at everything from an emotional soul perspective. And so if I'm attracting angry women, then it's probably because I've got some anger with women as well inside of myself that I have deeply suppressed. Right? Or it could be because I'm, I feel powerless as a man and an angry woman uh, feels like she can manipulate me or control me easily. Uh, and so that could be the attraction. The key is to allow that attraction to trigger the emotion inside of yourself. Yeah. What's your details? Sorry, oh. sorry. No, we're just a, a six pack. How do I get rid of bad spirits if you don't mind hanging around us? I've, I've had a bad spirit hanging around me for over 30 years. Yep. And I know it's always there, but I can't get rid of it. And one of the reasons why I came here was to, to see you, because you know, God works in amazing ways, and I believe that there's a reason for everything in life. Yep. And we're meant to meet cross paths with certain people for certain reasons. Certainly. I need to know, while I'm here today, how to get rid of this bad energy that I've had for such a long time. Yep. It won't leave me alone because I don't know how to get rid of it. Yep. I've been trying and fighting. I've yep. fought all my life. Yep. And I'm still fighting. The, the key is to not, um, to not fight the process so much. Imagine, so here's your soul, right? Your soul has different emotions in it. Those emotions are attracting spirits in the spirit world to you. You follow me? And the spirit in the spirit world has emotions in them as well. And the two sets of emotions cause a mutual attraction. Now, the key then is to ask yourself, well, what, what kinds of things does this spirit do with you? So if you allow yourself... He makes you depressed. He makes you... Depressed. Depressed? And angry. All right. Depressed and angry. Now... Depression is a cover for anger, and anger is a cover for even deeper emotions, right? Grief. Now, what's happening with this spirit is this spirit is in an angry state themselves. And what he's doing is he's connecting with your unhealed anger <coughs> and your unhealed grief, and, and then motivating you through that feeling to do things, or to say things, or to, to act in certain ways with different people. Once you deal with this underlying causal emotion of grief, that will mean that you're no longer angry and that you're no longer depressed. And what will happen is that spirit will either deal with his as well, or he will leave you. How do I deal with that first, though? This one? Or this one? That one. The bottom one. The bottom one, grief. At the moment, you're not allowing yourself to actually get into sadness. So you do a lot of... You're in a depressed state or in an angry state, 
but you're not allowing yourself to get into core grief about your childhood, things that happened when you were, when you were small. <coughs> and there's a, shut, there's a strong shutdown that you have towards your childhood emotions. And that shutdown is what's creating the anger. Right? So if you allow, if you just flip that over and you start saying to yourself, I'm allowed to be crying, I'm allowed to feel my grief, what will happen is as you release your grief, your childhood grief, the anger will disappear automatically and depression will disappear automatically as well. But as a result, this spirit will actually start feeling less attracted to you. And so he will have less influence over you. And in fact, he'll get to a point where he'll just leave you. And you'll never have him again. Now, now the truth is that we can expel that spirit from you. The truth is that we can expel the spirit. But the problem with expelling the spirit from you, or getting the spirit out of your, what, what people call your aura, or your connection with your spirit body. So the problem, the problem with getting, getting this spirit expelled from you is that that leaves you open with these emotions for other spirits that you don't know coming and attacking you in a similar way. Right? So it's far better for you to have a spirit you know that's been with you for 30 years than it is for a spirit, spirit for three or four or five spirits you don't know. Right? So, so in the first century I said it's far, quite often if they'd, expect, they'd expect me to expel a spirit and what would often happen is that if you ex expelled the spirit, seven other spirits would come along and cause a lot more damage to the person because they hadn't dealt with their emotion. Right? I'm still stuck with seven other spirits. <coughs> no, no, you've only, you've only got one. Oh, okay. One main fellow. He's a, he's a man. And he has a very, very strong feeling of grief within him too. But he covers that over with his anger. And what, what's connecting is your anger and his anger are, are about the same things. You follow me? So that he has the same kind of anger you have and it's about the same kind of childhood events that you've experienced. And if you allow yourself to go into the grief about it, he will also probably go into his grief about it, but even if he doesn't, he will probably go somewhere else. So I need to go deep within myself, back to when I was very young, yep. to relieve this problem. Yes, that's correct. To solve this problem. That's right. And when you do that, it'll be solved permanently. Never have you'll never be able to have another spirit attached to you like that again. <coughs> But if, if you just get rid of the spirit by using techniques of throwing things at him and throwing energy at him or all those kind of things, what will happen is he, he might go, but another spirit will come along. Okay. I feel like I've been, I've been held back for a long time. Held back for a lot of things I'm enjoying my Yeah, yeah. Some of the things I, 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 will, I will share in this room is that um, I was an Yeah, and you you fought those things really well because you actually had a spirit attached to you wanting you to do those things as well. Perhaps. All, all through that, I'm saying Perhaps. you do that. Yeah. Perhaps. I, I, I think I did a lot of those things because I didn't know how to deal with underlying problems that I had. So yeah. I would say that alcohol and drugs. That's right. The brain, uh, 
block those emotions out. That's right. But in the end, I knew that I was right and that was doing me more harm than yeah. good. So the key now is for you to go into that grief, into that childhood grief. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I'll have a talk to you about that later. Um, well, it's sometimes difficult for me to talk with each person who wants to talk with me, but yeah, we'll see how that goes. Okay. Um, so you're still going through your emotional process, um, but your soul has already been through that once before, right? Um, no, this is the first time I've gone through the emotional process. For Corny, it's the second time, but it's actually the first time for me. So... When, well, I didn't go through the disemotional process in the first century. That's right. Yeah, but when you were in the spirit world and you went through the spheres... Yeah, so I didn't you, go through you, then either. So you just automatically were on the second, 22nd level? No, no. The emotional process uh, is about two... There's two facets. There's the releasing of error-based emotions, which happens until the seventh sphere of your progression. Then on the eighth sphere of your progression onwards, now all you're doing is simulating truth-based emotions. So the error-based emotion process only happens up until the seventh sphere. So I, I didn't go through... And it, and it was all... For me, in the first century, it was all about assimilating new truths. For me now, it's about getting rid of the errors as well as the truths. Yeah. So for me, this is a very new process for me. Um, but but not for others of the 14. They've been through it once before. Does that make sense? No? Is that because... That didn't make sense. Sort of Tell you what you're feeling. But um, I'm just like, if you, like, you're still working through your stuff, right? Yep. So you're saying what you went through in the first century was the stuff from the seventh level and above. What I went through in the first century was, um, at the time of my birth, I was in the sixth sphere, <coughs> and all I had to do was work through truths in the seventh sphere, yeah. and then I became at one with God. I didn't have lots and lots of really hard emotions to process, yeah. although I had a lot of negative events happen to me at different times, I didn't have a lot of hard emotions to process. Now, I've got all of those events to process through these new emotions, which are through the reincarnation process. And that document that I mentioned earlier, Reincarnation and Divine Love, will explain all of that if you want to read that document. It's a long document though, it's 100 pages long. Yeah. So, are you able to work through up to the 22nd sphere here on Earth? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, everyone is. You are. Okay. Yeah. Can I ask, why do we have to have so many lives? What is, what is the... Oh, we don't have so many lives. We only have one. But what, but what I'm saying is, why do we have to have... We're the same spirit or soul yeah. all the time, but yeah. why do we have to go through several bodies? We don't. Is, is it a journey of a cycle so that we learn to become stronger souls for whatever reason? No. What did I say? We don't. We don't have to. <coughs> there are people in the 22nd sphere of the spirit world who have only... They've never... They've never come back here again. They've only been here once. No, in fact, in fact, there is, there, like I said in the original presentation, up until 1960, there was nobody who was reincarnated. If you can imagine, the second sphere is even more beautiful than anything here on Earth. Sure. So imagine getting up to 22nd. Why the hell would you want to come back? <laughs> 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 
and particularly if you could progress all through that without coming back anyway, why would you want to come back? There's only one reason, isn't there? So it's not about clearing away karma or any of those things that people continually teach. Right? The truth is you have one life. You are one soul with one life. I've just had one life. It started 2,000 years ago. My first conscious recollection was when I was, well, before I was born in the first century. And from up until now, I have all of these different recollections of my one life. So you've been through several different bodies to this body now? No. I've only been, I've had one body in the first century and one body now. The same body? No. No, different bodies because I incarnated again. I've only had, had two bodies. So all your experiences from that first century to now? All of them have been in the spirit world. Yep. I have ne never returned to earth in the last 2,000 years. Right? Ever. So you know how people say, oh, we come back and we come back and we come back again? Well, that's all not true. That's what I'm, going to, that's what I'm telling you. It is, it is possible to come back, but the discussion about reincarnation is probably a different discussion that we need to spend more time on. But it is possible to come back, but only once you reach the 22nd sphere condition, and the first time we reached that was, um, I was aware of it in 1945, on Earth time, that, that, that it would be possible to come back for the first time. Before then, I believed that I couldn't come back. Yeah, if you... Well, if you look at the definition of incarnation, it's where the soul goes into a material body and a spirit body that's been created by its parents. So if you look at reincarnation, the definition that, I'll, that I'm using, it's where the soul again goes into a body that's being created, physical body and a spirit body being created by a group of parents, by, by two parents. That's reincarnation. So, so the truth is there is no reincarnation in the spirit world, but you do go through this transformative process in the spirit world, where when you go from one sphere to the next, it appears to people looking at you that you change, and, and your body in fact dis seems to disappear. But what's actually happening is that you're moving up a, uh, up a sphere in love, which is actually vibrational in energy as well. So you're at a different energy vibration and that causes people to look at you and they can't see you the same anymore. And, uh, and because of that reason, a lot of people then think the person has reincarnated even, perhaps. And that happens a lot in the first sphere, where people, when they disappear from the first sphere to the second, all of their friends that they were with in the first sphere think, oh, they must have gone back to Earth. But in fact, they've gone to the second sphere. First sphere spirits can't just go into the second sphere, it has to be like through their progress. The second, any higher ones can come back down if they choose. <coughs> I was going to ask someone who hasn't asked that question. Okay. Talking about the, the vibrational level as you go through the spheres, yep. is, is that the same, that's the same sort of feeling that we're getting now when, as we progress? Yes. On this yes. You, you will feel, as you release certain emotions and you get into new condition of love, and where you're reflecting more and more powerful love from yourself to others, you will feel quite different, different as you progress. So as you progress on the divine love path, you will feel very, very different in each step that you, 
work your way through. So, for instance, um, many of you have yet to make a transition into truth. What I mean by that is where you are truthful 100% of the time with every single person you meet, with every single emotion that you've got inside of you. Right. So you'd admit that you're not there quite yet? Right? Okay. Now, that transition is like, once you, once you enter that state, that new state, you will feel totally different than you had did moments before. Now, it requires you dealing with lots of different emotions to enter that state. So the emotion of wanting to please others, you know, that gets dealt with. And the emotion of wanting to, you know, get something from others by modifying how you feel, that gets dealt with. And as you deal with quite a few of those different emotions, you'll get to a point where you're in truth 100% of the time with 100% of the people and, you're, and you let yourself emotions flow. Now, you can get into that state pretty much 100% of the time, no matter what sphere you're in. But it requires you having this specific realisations about truth and how important truth is. Now, once you get to that realisation, you will feel so totally different that you'll know, even in the spirit world, you've got a new place there too. You'll feel that inside of yourself. And in fact, right at the moment, you are creating a home for yourself in the spirit world, as well as here, by just your condition changing. Right? So, so as your condition changes, new home, your home changes in the spirit world as well. Right? And that's a reflection of the changes you are making inside of your soul. And all of the garbage that's getting released and the changes that are happening inside of you. Disappeared from who I used to be. And even well, my girlfriend's asked my mate, "What's why is he so boys and you know what's wrong with him?" <coughs> and I'm um, just lost all compassion, I suppose, or want to love or anything. And even come to a point of wondering, just even asking myself, when somebody mentioned that to me, how much has sort of gone down? Like, um, asking myself, well, how would I feel if my mum and dad died? And I just thought, oh, well. and I thought, I just. Like struck me, that was my answer. I was just shocked by that. I thought, oh. And just things just kept on getting worse and worse and worse, and I had to do something. Just come to a meltdown, really, because I wasn't choosing to do with it. So I ended up getting into such a amount of pain that you know you just got to do something in the end. But you don't have to go down that road if you want to. Is that what you mean, or how like not feeling, not knowing how yeah. you feel? Yeah. Like if you're in that situation, you probably help later tell me when given out a sheep too of feelings at some stage. Mm -hmm. Just every day even just um, have a diary and just just go through your day at the end of the day and ask yourself how did I feel during the day, what feelings come up. So you just start identifying, okay I've had feelings, ooh, didn't know I had feelings. You start noticing a little bit more. And you're starting to become a bit more like self aware I suppose of what's going on inside yourself rather than what's going on outside yourself. I was totally sucked down myself, like, I, I didn't even know what I would feel about anything. 
at one point in my life. So it's possible to get out of a numb state and into a feeling state, but it requires a lot of desire to do that. Is that like when um, we know we've felt something and we start crying or whatever, yep. and there's, there's, we just don't have a name for what it is we're experiencing? Yeah, and we don't, and we don't need to have a name either. I don't really. care, just when stuff comes up, just let it happen, I don't even know what it's about, just, just whatever happens, happens. Don't judge it, don't even worry about it, don't care about it, just let it happen. Yeah. Also, also with, um, I was going to say with something else too, it's an experience a couple of weeks ago and <coughs> got something coming up, so I went to go and sit with it, and just a little dribble came out of my eye, and that was about it, and I thought that was pretty crap as I walked off. And <laughs> But in that moment, I realised I was judging myself and also pulled myself up on that, like being self-aware once again what I was doing. I was judging myself for actually you know, nothing come up. But then I realised, hey, you did a good job because you actually took off in that moment, you felt that, and that you didn't used to do that. You just walked off when we were working and just went and sort of sat with that, and I would never do that before. So I thought, well done. I realised what I actually had done. <coughs> When you incarnated in the first century, what caused you to go straight to six fingers? Um, I can't at the moment definitively answer that question because of my own memories. Um, but the feeling that I have at the moment is that um, there's a process that, you, that every person goes through in the spirit world when you arrive in the spirit world. And when you arrive, all of the injuries that are attributable to other people other than you are generally um, healed from your body. So while they're not healed out of your soul, they're healed in your body. And, and you go through a process of many emotions doing that. So if you're emotionally open, you're, you go through this process. And I feel that that's probably the process that happened. But I still, I still have yet to process some memories about that because it's about my identity. And some things that I, some things that I don't want to realise about my relationship with God, um, so I'm still working through those issues. So I can't really answer that question completely. Yeah. Why allow the um, the creation of perfection to be subject to the imperfection that snowballs to negativity on a mass scale that then is compounded further? Well, the tr truth is that God did create the perfection. What actually happened, though, is there was a gift given to us, which was the gift of free will. And that gift of free will means that we're allowed to make choices that are in disharmony with perfection. And, but as soon as we begin to make choices disharmonious with perfection, we are going to pay the penalty, if you like, or the consequence of choosing imperfection. So we are allowed, God has given you this beautiful gift where you're allowed to do anything you want, including choose something that's imperfect. And once you understand the gift of free will, you understand how powerful that gift is, you would never want that taken away from you. So when, once you get into a state where you're free of your own suffering, you realise that this gift of free will is such a powerful gift and beautiful gift that you never knew why you, why you criticised it before then. Do you know what I mean? 
It's just because we're in a state of suffering, we often criticise that gift of free will and we, and we feel that God shouldn't have given us that gift. But the truth is that God created everything perfect but gave us too this gift of free will, which is a beautiful gift that we can then choose to use how we wish. Uh, there's a lot of people who misunderstand what perfection is. Um, perfection is that we were created everything, everything was created perfectly and we're in a perfect, pristine condition. But that doesn't mean that we had the, um, in a, the inability to choose something different to that. And the choice, the, the choice that we made as a human race, or the first human couple made, was to actually rebel against that perfection. They wanted to actually become gods themselves. And as a result of that, uh, they chose imperfection. And as a result of that choice, we got uh, the pain and suffering. And once we understand that there's a relationship between pain and suffering and our choice of imperfection, then we start understanding how to create perfection again. And, and once we see that, we realise that we can actually get into back into this pristine state ourselves. With God's help, of course, but you can do it yourself just by making different choices. And that's really part of the learning lessons that God has made for us to learn in this nursery of the soul. So this universe we're in now is the nursery of the soul. And there are, there are other universes you will experience in your progression where you've learned those lessons of free will and you're now using your free will constantly in harmony with love rather than in, in disharmony with love. So, so the truth is that, that God created a perfect universe with perfect laws, but gave us this gift where we were allowed to, if we chose to, do whatever we wanted, including break the law. Right? So you're allowed to break the law, but there will be a consequence for breaking the law. Now, the only way, for, if God didn't make it that way, then God would have made us robots. Alright? So, so a lot of times we're, we're forgetting this gift of free will and how powerful it is and how beautiful it is. The truth is if, if God created a perfect universe that couldn't be muddied up a bit by your choices, right? then what would happen is that God would then create you as a robot without free will and we wouldn't even be having this conversation right at the moment. Yeah. Right? And, and the truth is this gift of free will is one of the most beautiful gifts that you will ever experience in your, in your life. And when you bring it into harmony with divine love, when you bring it into harmony with God's truth, you'll find that there's, the whole universe is open up to you that were never open to you before. So you'll start to understand that this gift of free will is a gift and not a curse. At the moment, a lot of people feel it's a curse. Yeah. Yeah. How can we uh, make a choice based on Good question. Did everyone get that? How can we make a choice coming that's about perfection when we're coming from an error state? Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good question. The, remember, the way I draw it is that we've got our soul and we've got what kind of influences? Truth influences and error influences, right? And error influences affect our all emotions, desires, what else? Aspirations. 
our intentions and everything, right? Now, the question is, if this area is inside of me, how do I then know what the truth is? Well, you know by the pain you're in. Because it, error always is painful and always creates suffering. Right? So, so, if there's pain or suffering anywhere in me, in my physical body, in my emotional state, in my relationships with any single person that comes into my life, and if there's pain and suffering involved with any of those, I am in error. And I need to just come to terms with that, that I'm in error in that condition. And if I allow myself to see the truth of that, that the error always creates pain and suffering, then I can actually make some different choices, emotionally different choices. So obviously the first thing to understand is this soul is attracting the pain and suffering because of the emotions in it. Release those emotions and it will no longer attract those same events. And so the key then is to go through this process emotionally, not here, but, but here. So there is a way you can recognize truth even when you're in error. And let's face it, for most of us, we know when we're doing things wrong, even as we're doing them many times, don't we? <laughs> like, you know when you're yelling at your kids that uh, it's not so much fun for them, don't you? You know that. But there's just this emotion at the time driving you, isn't there, a lot of times? I've, I've just got to yell at them, I can't help myself. And that emotion that's driving you needs to come out. And you can see the damage that's happening to your own children if you're doing that many times. But we don't address it emotionally. We don't look at ourselves emotionally and that's where the big problem is for many of us. We've been taught to think everything and not feel anything. What about all those behaviours that we have based on our errors that we do not recognise? Remember when you met me, mm -hmm. you pointed out all these things that I didn't have a clue about? Yep. And I was so angry with you for pointing them out because it I beg your pardon, but it's not me. But I now realise, of course, yes. Well, the truth is that that anger is really good. Because anger is telling me, as soon as, if, any, if anything in the universe gets pointed out to you and you get angry, you know straight away there's an error inside of your emotion. Right? So it's really, really good. Anger is really good. It tells you things, right? This is, anger is a painful emotion, isn't it, to experience? When you feel it, it just all your body tightens up, everything becomes very stressful. It's a painful emotion and it's telling you a lot. No, I think you just recognize that anger. You said, Hell, your anger business are not. Well the, the truth is that nobody can progress with generally without somebody helping them. And and this is something that you come to realise in the spirit world a lot too that a lot of people in the spirit world realise that after a while that they can't actually process unless or progress unless they rely on something, unless they trust someone. Right? Now, God has the ability to help us, but most of the time we're not connecting with God. So rely on other people who seem to be connecting with God to see what they're telling you and what the law of attraction is bringing you and you know, let yourself see those events. But the truth is, for all of us, we will all have to rely on someone at some point. To help us in our progression. Yeah. So, that is, so as spirits are attached, so that's what I back there, yep. we can do the same with 
with our relationships with other people. It's, the same it's exactly the same dynamic, yeah. Every relationship you enter, whether it's a spirit relationship or an earth-based relationship, it's all based about the law of attraction. So it's all based about what, in, what, what, what positive soul qualities do I have, what positive soul qualities they have, what emotional injuries do I have, what emotional injuries do they have that causes any attraction. And it's the sum total of all of that that causes the attraction. Yeah. And it's, that's immaterial, whether we're spirits or people on earth. It doesn't make any difference. How far do I have to hide my emotions, my pride, or my husband? Who is sick? You don't hide them at all. Because I am told, don't cry in his presence. Don't show him your emotions. Okay? I want to know. You cry in his presence as much as you want. Yeah. Yeah. It's very important that we express our emotions in the situation we are in right at that moment. Truthfully. Truthfully. So, you know, whatever attractions are going on, deal with them. Talk to the people you're attracted to, even. Like, find out why inside of yourself you feel a certain way. It's all about that, right? It's all about feeling things inside of yourself and finding out. If you're, if, if you're with a partner like that and you're being forced into <coughs> control your emotions, you are being forced into shut down your, shutting down yourself and that's it's shutting painful. down yourself. It's painful, very painful. painful. You need to just let yourself cry. So, so like, if everybody did that, we'd all be releasing our emotions as soon as they happened, wouldn't we? And if we're releasing them as soon as they happen, would we have, be storing them? No. We, we wouldn't even have this problem we've got now, would we? Because we'd have released everything. Is that what they're doing like in, in the Middle East when there's a funeral? You know, women are wailing. Yeah. That's, that's what's happening. It's a really good process because they're not just wailing about the death of their child. They're wailing about all sorts of emotional injuries that are just coming out of them and coming out of them. And the funeral is the only time they're allowed to. That's why it's all coming out then. They're allowed to then. But if all of us were allowed to feel all of our emotions all the time, like, if we burst out crying, if I burst out crying, and I probably will cry today in front of you, based on some of the things I'll be saying later. And, like, like at the end, what's wrong with that? Yeah, but see, we think there's lots of things wrong with it, don't we? Like, if you see a really angry person punching a bag and yelling and screaming and swearing and everything, what do you feel? Right, so what do we want to do then? We want to shut them down, don't we? We want to stop them. We want to control them. We want to put them in a prison or we want to put them in a psychiatric ward or something to control them and shut them down, right? So that we don't feel our own emotions in the end. That's all it's about. Yeah. So, you know, you hear the term judgment a lot, right? True judgment is when you, through your own emotions, decide to try to shut down another person. So, so like, I'll start expressing some emotions later, and you will start feeling like, oh, Jesus shouldn't have those emotions. And then what, what are you doing right at that moment? Judging. Judging. Why? Because you have beliefs about who I am, and you have, you know, all sorts of things going on inside of yourself, which will cause you to want to project at me shut down emotions or doubt or whatever. Does that make sense? The key is to stop doing all that. Own all of your feelings. Yeah? Can I finish the question? My husband has a feeling 
he's a burden to me. Yep. And it is very, he's in hospital, and he said today to me he would rather be in hospital as coming home to be a burden. Yep. How do you feel, really? Do you feel he's a burden? Uh, no, one side no. I yeah, but see, you're not being truthful there. Other sides, it is too much to care. Exactly, that's the feeling you have. Your feeling you have is it's too hard for me at my age and my own physical ability to care for my husband at home. You feel that. He feels that from you. Talk about that with him. Let yourself feel that emotion. You're allowed to feel like it's too much. You, you know, it is exhausting caring for somebody, particularly when you, you know, you're trying to care for him and care for day-to-day -day life as well. It's very, very difficult. I, Talk about it. I him. told him that I am in stress. And he should understand me. I'm not telling him or showing that because I want to hurt him. It was because I am in depression and in stress. But I deeply love him yeah. and I will stay with him. Yeah. And I try to give it to him to understand. Yeah. But somewhere is something between. Yeah, and the key is to discuss these things openly because it will trigger your emotions and it will trigger his emotions. And it's okay, even though he's in hospital, to trigger his emotions. It's okay if he's in the hospital bed having a cry. Yeah. In fact, it's very good for him. Yeah. He, has been, he has been homeless every for over 12 months. Yeah. Well, Katerina has been fine for 12 months yeah. by him and over yeah. And he has closed down completely yeah. um, because... And this is this is why I say you must do what is important for you first emotionally. Then you deal with the others, whoever the other person is. But firstly, do what is important for you emotionally. You follow me? His choice to shut down his own emotions, but that's his choice to shut down his own emotions. His emotions are being shut down because of guilt and other other feelings within him, and he's allowed to make that choice. And the for Katerina, what she needs to do is make the choice that's in harmony with love for herself as well as him. You can't just love the other person and not love yourself. So if you're crying every day because you're feeling overwhelmed about caring for someone. You need to change the circumstances so you're not caring for them every day. Right? You I do started need... to be much more stronger. It's very I, good. I feel a big healing process through your DVDs. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And as you deal with that, Katerina, what will happen is you'll become stronger feeling within yourself. Now he's going to get triggered with some of his emotions. And one of the emotions being triggered in him that he doesn't want to feel is a feeling of rejection. He doesn't want to feel rejected by you. But, but it's actually related to his childhood with his mother and lots of other situations that he doesn't want to deal with, right? So if we stay in truth, what will happen is everyone around us will be triggered with their emotions, no matter what. Over the last year, because you've been crying every day but not acting, you weren't in truth then. Do you follow me? When, when, we look, when you're caring for him, crying about it every day, you're not in truth at that moment. You're not wanting to do something that you felt bad about doing and you weren't in truth at that moment. Now you're in more truth. 
now he's in hospital, you've, you've got some space now to deal with yourself and deal with your, your emotions, and you're feeling better within yourself, aren't you? So you, you are now in more truth. <coughs> grow stronger and stronger. Yeah, and more truth and more love creates less suffering for you. I decide to go this path and that's why I'm going to Yeah, very much. it's my pleasure. Okay, how do you cope with, how, how should we cope with um, people projecting their emotions onto us? That means that um, we've got a, like I'll just give you an example, like people that are living with me at the moment, they, yeah, I'm a great cult leader. <laughs> <laughs> you suck. Um, <laughs> well, you think, well, some anger coming up here, but you know, I'm going to scream at them, I've got to really look at this. Um, you know what? They are projecting that at you because of something you feel within yourself, for a start. So you have doubts about what I'm saying, about whether I'm Jesus or not, and those kind of things, right? Which they are just reflecting back at you anyway, that you need to let yourself feel. If you make a choice to just feel all of your own emotions, no matter what is projected at you, then what will happen is that you will feel in that instance. So when somebody says to you, oh, AJ's just a cult leader, there's a feeling inside of you where you think that might be true. There's a feeling of mistrust. There's a feeling of... You know, can I really trust this guy? You know, what's he going to do down the track? Those feelings are, are there inside. It's just we don't want to acknowledge them, right? The key is to then go into them, acknowledge they exist, because I, my law of attraction has just shown me that I do feel it, right? And then go into those emotions and let yourself feel about that completely. Let yourself go into the feeling of feeling like that you can't trust a male or that you can't trust me specifically, if that's what the feeling is. And go into that feeling, let yourself feel that feeling. It, it, I've been thinking that it's a feeling of judgment, Well, there's, there's another emotion that's attracted it for you, and that is when people judge you, you are very tempted to try and conciliatory, be conciliatory to them. Do you follow me? So for, this happens for many of us, right? We, when somebody judges us, we have a tendency to try to change our behaviour to suit what the, to make it easier on them, right? Instead of standing firm for truth, whatever the truth is within our heart. So that is another emotion that's getting triggered in that interaction. If you allow yourself to ask yourself, well, why am I having people stay in my home who are judging me? And you will be able to see that you actually have other reasons why you're having them stay in your home. But you're actually allowing them to harm you through their judgments by having them stay. Because, you know, they help you in other ways. And so there's this trade-off going. You're almost paying a price. The price is, I've got to put up with your judgment and I'll get something in return now. Do you know what I mean? And, and what's being triggered for you is this emotion of, how much, how much am I going to sort of prostitute myself, if it really is, in a way, to, to get what I need? How much am I going to allow people to damage me to get what I need? And uh, you'll find when you don't compromise these issues of truth, ironically what happens is that you get what you need without compromise. But it's only after you've learnt that lesson emotionally. Yeah.
well, let's go into the anger. So let's go in the anger, go out the punching bag, right? They go, fuck it, What are they doing to me? They are, what are they really doing to me? They're judging me, but let's go into that. Let's go into the anger of that. How do you feel when you get judged? Go into the anger of that. Well, firstly, we feel defensive and angry, don't we? Right. So let's get into the A. You get into the rage. Really get into that rage. Right? And once we step underneath the rage, what we'll find is that underneath the, the feeling of being judged is some terrible feelings about ourselves that are triggering, perhaps. Or a feeling that I'm not allowed to do what I want. I feel like I don't know who I am. Exactly. Exactly. So the feeling of they don't see me will come up straight after you let the anger come up. And then you've got to ask yourself the question, do I want to live with people who don't see me? Does any of you want to live with a person who doesn't see you? Like, is it nice? So why are you still living with them then? Can you see that, that, can you see that straight away I'm making decisions? See, oftentimes we still continue to make decisions in disharmony with love of self. Right? So we live with a person who's unloving to us and we stay there. Why do we do that? Because of other reasons, isn't it, generally? So deal with those other emotions, release those emotions, and you won't want to stay there anymore. You'll, you'll feel it's wrong to stay there. And you may, you may say to them, look, I love you, too, I love you so much, but I, we're going to be apart for a while until you work out that how you're treating me is unloving. So sometimes we don't want to make that decision. A lot, a lot of times dealing with our emotions are quite simple like that. We, we keep on going in a terrible situation, painful situation, terrible situation. We keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. In the end, we just don't want to make a decision to leave it. So we must have some really big addiction inside of myself. Does that make sense? I must have a huge addiction inside of myself if I don't want to leave a situation that's painful. Um, so get sure of your own truth, yeah. And the only way you do that is by feeling your feelings. Yep. So, you know, allow yourself to understand what's going on. If I was sure of it, then that wouldn't, what other people saying wouldn't bother me. No, but see, a lot of people use the excuse of, oh, that doesn't bother me, so they stay in it anyway. Saying they don't. The truth is that if you're getting judged all the time, at some level, it's you are not being loving for of, of yourself staying there. Yeah. So, so why? You know, go deeper into that rather than justify your actions. You know, you can say, oh, but I might lose my home. Yes, you might. Oh, but I might lose my family. Yes, you might. The truth is that when you want to really connect with God, there are many things you may lose initially. Right? But you'll gain back heaps and heaps later on as you work through these emotions. You will. It's just that we don't trust that at the moment, do we, sometimes? Yeah. I'm having trouble stopping judgment purely on myself, not in other people. Yep. And I'm sure it's about so I can harm myself. Yep. I have trouble getting off it. Yep. I've been there, girl. Been there. Um, the only thing that helped me was actually working through the emotions that are, were about the judgment of myself. 
And most of those emotions were about, you know, feeling ashamed of myself, feeling guilty about things that have happened in the past, things like that. So allow yourself to experience those emotions. Don't go and hit yourself like I often did. Um, so I, I forgot the stage of self-punishment where I punched myself in the face as hard as I could with my fist. Um, so I've been there in that place and it's a really terrible place to be. Um, but allow yourself to experience what's underneath that. So, so judgment of yourself is just as bad as judgment of another. In fact, in some cases it's probably worse. Because it's, you, you, you're treating yourself just as badly as you're treating another person, if you're judging them. And it's also very damaging to your emotional experience. Because while you judge yourself, you won't feel your emotion, the underlying emotion. Let yourself go to the underlying emotion, which is always grief about a deeper issue, usually a lot of self-shame. Let yourself go there, to the self-shame issue. Yeah. And without hurting yourself. How did you do that? I mean, I'm going through that right now for the last couple of weeks. Yep. Just self-judgment and it's getting worse and worse. Yep. How did you, did you snap out of it? What did you actually, what was the technique? Or is there anything that you found to get the process started to, to, to go deeper or to, to do something? I had to come to an emotional realization that every time I judged myself, I just doubled up my emotional processing. I had to do it emotionally, yeah. So I had to actually feel about that. Do Feel about how much I wanted to punish myself. So what I had to do is go through the feelings that I had of wanting to punish myself. So I forced myself to not punish myself, but actually go through the emotion of how much I wanted to really feel how much I wanted to. And, what, and underneath that was all this terrible self-shame. Just terrible feelings about myself. I can already see all that. Yeah. So let yourself feel how much you want to harm yourself. Without harming yourself. Do you need assistance? Did you do it by yourself? Well, I did it by myself, but... In the end, you don't need assistance okay. for, to, do, to process an emotion, but well, you f there's a feeling in you that you're going to need it. So it's up to you, though. But there is a feeling in you that you're going to need that. Why, why I think I keep mine just going around and around, because it keeps me stuck in um, feeling dumb, no good and hopeless. But you know what I found underneath all of this was it was a really big rage with other people that I wouldn't let myself feel. Right? So what I was doing was I was internalizing all of this anger and rage and resentment, back turning it all back in on myself. When underneath all of that there was this emotion that actually, no, lots of other people have hurt me in my life. And I wasn't letting myself feel the rage of that hurt. So instead of allowing, my, my, one of my biggest denials throughout this life has been anger. Um, I wasn't allowing myself to experience my own anger. And instead of allowing myself to experience the anger and rage, what I would do is I'd punish myself. I would actually hit myself and hurt myself. Mm -hmm. Right? 
So what I've, what I've had to try to learn to do, and this is why I got the boxing bag and the baseball bat and a few other things like that, is... And a shed. And a shed, yeah. I, I beat up my shed the other day. So. <laughs> um, um, but the reason why I've done that is because I needed to connect to these rage feelings to stop actually internalising the rage. Do you follow me? Yeah. So that my my feelings of wanting to shut down my rage was so strong that I would I would not I would in, I would internalise it and actually direct it at myself. So there's a lot of things getting damaged around my house at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Okay. Um, you mentioned some um, Crucifixion video titles. Oh, only probably the passion. Yeah. Getting sadder, angrier, to more terrible emotions inside. Who's feeling that? <coughs> yeah, pretty much everyone. It's a, un, it is a good state. Well, see, what's, what's been happening is you've suppressed all of those emotions for so long. How are they going to come out? They're only going to come out by you experiencing them, right? So what often happens when we first start this emotional processing work is we go through this period where... We're just feeling overwhelmed with one negative emotion after the other, after the other, after the other. The key is to allow it as much as you possibly can allow it. Because it will pass if you keep allowing it and keep digging deeper into the emotion. So, um, because I've been in it several months, I've been bringing up the same. Are you alright? Yeah. Yes, are you alright? They want you out of it. And the emotion that you need to allow yourself to feel is this deep rage of frustration. Right? That's the emotion that you were skipping over. Right? So, so you're trying to access an underlying emotion when the top level emotion is there ready to go and you don't want that particular one to be experienced. Does that make sense? So let yourself experience that one and within a few minutes you'll probably get to the underlying one. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, for me, a lot of the physical stuff, like box, bag, punches, and whacking things, doesn't work for me. I try and keep on hurting myself, so it's non-effective. But what I've noticed lately is it needs to be voiced, like really come out. It needs to be screamed, yelled, whatever comes out, and just go nuts with that. When it, just when it comes up, it needs to happen. Because a lot of the, it's not so much this stuff, but with the first century stuff, everything was suppressed. You weren't allowed to say anything. You had to shut up. You just had to cop it the way it was, sort of thing. And you know, it's all suppressed, the voice is suppressed, everything you want to say or feel was suppressed. So I feel for me now, that's avenue you starting to work from, which is to let, to let it out in your voice. It just it's, it almost sets off a switch, like straight up, actually. Sets off a switch. Thanks. 
sets off, just goes off. Um, just get to into some, just a really deep spot that you can't seem to access any other way. That's for me, because everybody's different, so you'll find different ways of work through and other ways of fun. Let's practice. Yeah. Like really feeling some rage type feeling and expressing it with your voice. Let's do it again. Let's get into it this time. No laughing. You connect with some anger now and just let it out. But really voice it. Scream or yell. Scream or yell. Do it again. Ready? <laughs> And underneath that, generally, there's the anger. And underneath that, generally, there's the fear. And underneath that, there's generally what we're really afraid of, which is feeling the really grief. And then underneath that are some really basic core emotions like totally nothing, feeling like you're nothing, and all those kind of things, right down underneath that, right? So it's like this great big chain of events. If I, if I have judgments about anger, then I'm actually having some fears about anger itself. Right? Every judgment you have is just an expression of your own fear about something. Right? So let yourself do these things. Let yourself look at why you're afraid when somebody's angry. Because I was petrified with anger. Like with somebody else's anger, I mean, absolutely petrified. Particularly a woman's anger. And uh, I'll explain why a bit later after our break. They're vicious, yeah. <laughs> No, that's a, that's a belief I had, that women can be so vicious that all they need to do is say one thing and you nearly die because of it. And I have nearly died because of one thing a woman has said. And sometimes it's not what they say, even the look. Yeah, these scornful hatred <laughs> type looks just slaughters you, doesn't it, sometimes? And yeah. AJ, there's two other ways that I know how to... Expressed and screaming into a pillow, yeah. or when I go swimming under the water. Oh yeah, but see, can you see straight away though that you're you're doing it those two methods in order to? Well, to avoid other people confronting it. Do you see what I'm saying? Like you don't want other people to hear your anger. Oh yeah. So so a lot of times we need to actually do the opposite of what we're afraid of. Let other people hear the anger. So, you know, go out into the, you know, outside and go, you know, and really let fly in the backyard. And when the police come around, you tell them what you're doing. I'm tired of screaming in the pillow. And I'm, I'm going to be screaming now out in my backyard. Well, this is what, but what has to happen in this world is we need to get away from this judgment about what our emotional processing work is. And, and a, yeah, not care about what anybody thinks about me connecting with an emotion. Yeah, that's what we need to do. I'm just wondering, 
Every sickness is emotional. Emotional. Slow today. It only took about three or four eggs to get that out the other day. Every single thing you feel, every sickness you have, is and every disease you catch is all about. Every accident that you have is all about your emotional condition that you're suppressing. Every single one. And I keep smelling like feces and poo. Yep. Everywhere I go. Yeah. I mean, like, what is that? That's a major trigger of your childhood. Um, and you need to let yourself go there. Yeah. I won't say what it's about. No, I don't. <laughs> you need to let yourself go there. I just want to say thanks to both of you for being here and sharing. I just want to ask about my 13-year-old. Um, I've taught him to express everything in the moment, but um, he has a lot of trouble at school doing that. And um, I just want to know, like, you know, they tell him, you know, you've got to suck it up. Is it best for him to suck it up, come home, and then recall? And I'm confused about what... Yeah. What you're teaching him is to be open emotionally and express his emotions. And that's really, really good. What the school's teaching him is exactly the opposite to that, which is really, really bad. And my suggestion is go in and have a chat with the people at the school and start dealing with that emotionally. So say to, you know, talk to them about like how you feel that you can't even maybe send your child there. I'd be writing letters to the education department saying my child's getting shut down emotionally at school when I want it differently. You know, and, and even go to the point, go to the point even of taking your child out of school and, and saying, and when they try to prosecute you, go to court about it. You know what I mean? Like, you, you want to have your children fully expressive emotionally and do whatever you can to make, to make sure that happens. And whenever they're getting projections from other people, you, know, shut, you need to deal with those, those particular situations, certainly. That's the only way change is going to happen, is by firstly looking at all of those things. But the other question you need to ask yourself is, are you really expressing your own emotions completely? Yeah, that's something else I wanted to ask you as well. Can I just say why I asked that question? Because you're needing to teach your child to express emotion in a verbal way is actually coming from your desire to shut down your own emotions yourself, right? And what he's feeling from you is your desire to shut down your own emotions and then you're teaching him something verbally different. You follow me? And, and so if you just allow yourself to feel all of your own emotions, even in front of the children, and this is where most people have trouble, right? Not in front of the children, most people say. Right? So even in front of the children, what will happen is you will be owning your own emotions and that will actually be teaching them how to own theirs. Right? And 
his law of attraction will change, and at school he will get some teachers who let him feel. Right? So if you do it everything from the law of attraction point of view, you'll find things will change as well. Is he? At, is my son acting out my husband's emotions? And the, my answer was, be very careful with this. Because what you're doing in that, there's a desire in you to not look at yourself in the interaction and to rather look at your husband. Now, what you said is the truth, but the, the underlying desire within yourself is to not look at yourself in the interaction with your son, but look at the, his father's interaction with him and feeling that that's to blame for the actual problem. And, and it's not just that, right? It's, and so it's very important that you look at what's going on within yourself. Very important. <coughs> and time to stop, actually. Uh, it's free, is it? Okay. Just a brief announcement before we start, and that is that obviously when I say I've cancelled the next six weeks' events, that means every event, which includes tomorrow, and it also includes uh, Monday. Um, I had an event planned for Karoi at Monday about spirit communication and healing, and that's been cancelled too. And we'll, we'll put these events off onto other times. So at some point in the future when I'm feeling up to it, we'll, uh, we'll if, and if those people still feel I should come, <laughs> then we'll uh, organise something else. All right? Now what I'd like to do, we're going to be covering this material. What I'd like to do is involve you as much as possible in that process. So, so what, what we're going to do is uh, I'll mention certain things and, and what I'll do is I'll get you to yell out the next point. All right? So when you yell out the next point, we'll go into the next point each time. I want to keep things moving fairly rapidly because we've only got a couple of hours, not even a couple of hours really, to get through a lot of this stuff. So I'd like to keep things moving quite rapidly if we can. Alright. The first thing to remember is that spiritual development is not about metaphysics. It's not about how many out-of-body experiences you have. It's not about how good a healer or a, or a good spirit uh, communicator you are. It's not about any of those things. It's about one thing. What is it about? No, it's about love. Love. That's what it's about. There's two forms of love. There is the love that comes from within you, which is called natural love, the love that's inside of you, that you can express to others. So when I say spiritual development, I'm talking about you developing your love, the way in which you love others. And yourself, of course because that's a part of the process. And then the real development is the divine love, right? That's not very clear, the one. So the divine love... That's divinely clear. Sorry? That's divinely clear. That's divinely clear. <laughs> well, actually, divine love. That's even more divinely clear. Yes. Yeah. Real development is divine with regard to divine love as well. Now, remember, development in natural love will only help you get to the sixth sphere in terms of a state. And most people who are into metaphysics, who are into all of those kind of things, are developing on the natural love path. Alright? It's when you stop doing that, and when you start focusing on love in your life 100% of the time, 
is when you will get out of the natural love path and start being on the divine love path. Right? And even if you start focusing on love just in itself in terms of natural love, you'll be better off than if you look at the metaphysical types of development. So when we're talking about spirit development here, we're talking about your development in love. That's it. Does everyone understand that nice and clearly? Good. Now, can you see straight away that every type of spiritual analysis you've done of something changes when you look at it from the perspective of love? Doesn't it? Can you see that? For example, you go along to a medium. You sit down at the mediums, right? And the medium starts talking to you. You're sitting down next to the medium. The medium starts talking to you. And they say, oh, oh Fred's come along. Uncle Fred's come along. And he's told you that he wants to... You know, he wants you to take care of the trailer you got in the backyard there that he gave you, you know, da, 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 and he tells you a few things about the trailer, and then, oh, I've got another spirit here that's come along too. This spirit, you know, and, and away she goes, and you spend the whole hour session doing discussions like that. Now, what just happened? In terms of love, very little. Some of those spirits were expressing their love that they had for you, obviously, through the lady, but has it helped you develop in love? No, most often not, right? So why is that medium choosing to do that? Because she doesn't understand that true spiritual development is about love. It's about helping the person get to a new emotional condition where they can express more love. That's what it's about. So that's what we want to focus on today. True development is also about another thing. What's that? Okay. Now, I've mentioned divine truth first. God's truth entering you. You being willing to have an emotional experience about accepting God's truth. True spiritual development is about that. And when I say God's truth, God has the absolute truth of the universe. God knows absolutely everything that's going on in her universe. Everything. Absolutely everything that you've ever done, God knows. Absolutely everything that you've ever felt, God knows. Even all of those nasty things you've felt, God knows too. God knows all of that. And what we need to do is come to know what God knows. Even just have a desire to come to know what God knows. About myself, firstly, that's my personal truth. What God knows about me. That's my personal truth. <coughs> Most of us say, though, oh, I'm in my personal truth, so I got angry with that fellow and told him off, and then I went, but was I in my personal truth then, from God's perspective? No, I was in my error, which I think is truth, at that moment. You follow me? If we're looking at it from God's perspective, we want to know what God's truth is about myself. If I want to connect to God, I want to know what God's truth is about myself. Is that a bit confronting? Having someone know absolutely everything about you. Things even about you that you can't remember. Everything you've done. Absolutely everything you've done that's harmed another person and how it harmed them, God knows too. And how much damage had happened to their lives, God knows that too. 
And God wants you to come to know that. Are you prepared to do that? It's an interesting question though, isn't it? Is there a choice? And yeah, there's always free will choice, but you're not going to be at one with God if you make the other choice. Ultimately, you'll have to do it, won't you? Or you just avoid that on the sixth and go into the spheres on the natural path? Yeah, for example, the sixth sphere spirit is quite willing to tell you or to allow you to believe a lie. Right? So he won't tell you a lie, but he's quite willing to allow you to believe a lie. Now, would, would God, is that, is that loving or not? Totally, yeah. And a lot of times they have a reason for it. The reason is, uh, if the person believes that I'm Jesus, then they'll connect with me better than if they believe I was some fella in the 14th century that nobody knew. Right? So a lot of times, so you get millions of spirits all claiming they're Jesus for that reason. Just for that one reason, because it means that a person on earth will listen to them. Yeah. I've found it the opposite myself here on earth. <laughs> you claim you're Jesus on earth, and very few people listen. I know, I know many of you are now. So it's interesting, it's interesting even that we'll just trust what a spirit says with no validation and no knowledge of what, how that could be. Do you notice that? How, you know, you, you go along to a medium perhaps if you're not able to communicate yourself and a spirit might say something to you about you and you think, oh, that's wonderful, you know, I, I can accept that. And yet you don't even know the spirit who even told you that. You don't even know them, you don't have any communication with them, you don't understand who they are. For all you know, they could be someone just wants to fool you. You don't know, do you? Well, many of us don't. And yet we believe it readily, and yet when somebody comes and speaks to us face to face, what do we then believe? No, that can't be true. I'd much rather accept what this Spirit's telling me that I don't even know I've never met. Yeah. So a lot of things we do are very illogical when it comes to truth. Of course. What we are ready to believe and so forth, yeah. And when we're talking about divine truth, we're going to need to be ready to accept all the truth about ourselves. Now, most of us want to accept good things about ourselves, don't we? Right, yeah. So when we do something that's really positive and good, oh yeah, I did that. When something in my life is created that's quite negative, oh, somebody else did that. Right? We don't see ourselves as the creator in both cases, do we, in most cases? And we need to come to see that, this, the truth of that. Alright, All right, so with regard to our relationship with God, there's these four things that we need to look at with truth, and there's four things that we need to look at with love. And I mentioned in the outline, so what's the first one? This is under the second, sub, the second heading, feelings that prevent a relationship with God. Not wanting to feel the truth about God from your own Alright, so the first one was not wanting to feel I don't want to write it up there. You've got it in front of you. The truth about God from your own perspective. How many of you are really angry with God? Far more of you need to be putting up your hand. Because many of you are far more angry with God than what you're admitting. 
All right. And, and we'll go into some of that emotion later, right? If I don't admit to myself the truth about how I'm feeling about God, don't you think God knows that? Don't you think God knows how you really feel about God anyway? So if you're going to connect with God, don't you think you're going to need to be truthful at least about that one thing? But we're small fries, aren't we? Do we have a right to, to be angry You just mentioned God? two reasons to be angry with God. I, I put my hand up. Yeah. Small fry and don't have a right. Do I have a right to say anything about God? Do I have a right to be angry with God? Do you? That's my question. What's the truth from God's perspective? Do you have a right? To be angry with God. I did ask you whether you had the free will to be angry with God. Do you have a right to be angry with your next door neighbour? So why would you have a right to be angry with God? Okay, so how do you reconcile the two? Well, yeah, don't misquote me now. I'm not saying that you're not allowed to feel that feeling. What I'm saying is that if you feel you've got a right to be angry with God, then already that's an error. Did you follow me? It's an error that you, there was something you need to feel. Yeah, we're doing a lot of things with God. And, and in reality, when we have that feel, we have that right, there are certain emotions inside of ourselves that we're not willing to release. When you feel right and you want another person to be wrong, and you're willing to be angry with them for not taking on your viewpoint, you are already in error, are you not? Yeah. But I'm not saying don't feel it. I'm saying understand that me even being angry with God is an error. But I'm allowed to feel that. Do you follow me? And in fact, I need to feel that to release it. It's the only way I'm going to be able to feel it, is to feel it and then it will be gone. <coughs> Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, what's the next thing? Exactly, and that's what we just covered just now, wasn't it? The truth about God from God's perspective is that you've got no right to be angry with whatsoever. He did everything beautifully for you. And, uh, and you've just stuffed it up. Now, it might not be you that stuffed it up. It might be your family, your parents. It might be all these emotional, but it's still mankind that stuffed it up. When I say stuffed it up, all they did was they chose to do their free will in disharmony with love. And that's what causes everything to stuff up. So that's God's truth. But see, can you see the difference between my needing to see my own truth too? I need to admit to myself, I am angry with God. I am upset with God. I do feel what God has done is unjust. I do feel that it was unkind. I do feel that I feel like a little pawn being manipulated by God. If these are the feelings you feel, you need to be honest with those feelings, don't you? But you also need to see that, no, obviously God, if God's in a state of love and truth, then God obviously isn't the things I imagine God to be. And I need to say that, see that truth too. Now, that doesn't mean that I take away from the emotions. 
I need to still experience the emotions. What's next? So not wanting to feel the truth about yourself from your own perspective. In other words, let's say I know I'm angry with God, but then I choose to not feel my anger with God because I have this belief that I'm wrong if I feel angry with God. Right? And I feel that I'm not allowed to express my anger. What does God want you to do from your emotional perspective? To express all of your emotion. That's what God wants. That's how God made you. Right? So even if you're angry with God, you need to allow yourself to express it, even if you know that it's wrong. It's okay. Express it. Get into it. Really feel it. Really feel the personal truth of it. You're allowed to do that. What's next? And this is a major area that most of us resist. The area most of us resist is we do not want to look at the truth from God's perspective. We only want to look at the truth about ourselves emotionally from our own perspective. So, can you understand that growing towards God is going to be firstly focusing on what truth I need to feel within myself emotionally, but it also is very much revolving around the importance of connecting to what God's truth is as well. Because God's truth needs to enter me emotionally if I'm going to become at one with God. Does that make sense to everyone? Yeah. Okay. What about love? <coughs> Not wanting to love others. Who, who feels that you've just given so much love in the past and you're just so exhausted with it that you just don't want to do it anymore? Right? Be honest. It's fine to be honest, right? Yeah. I feel that. <laughs> so there's a feeling inside that I don't want to love somebody else really coming from that, isn't there? Or what's the, what's the next one? Now, isn't that a big one? But a lot of times we reject love. Why? Because we don't trust it. It makes us vulnerable. We think it's going to hurt us. We don't feel worthy. Okay. Don't even know what it is. Yeah. Does that make sense? What's next? Yeah. If I'm angry with God, do I want to love God? No. Obviously not. Because I'm angry. How can you love someone you're angry with, really, at that instant? You can't, can you? While the anger is in you, you're not loving. That anger has to leave you before you become loving. Doesn't it? And what's the next one? And that's one of the biggest ones. A lot of people do not want to connect with God. They don't want to receive God's love. What's the main reason you think that would be? Unworthiness. Big, big thing. What other reasons might there be? Fear. A lot of people feel that. A lot of people feel that if they receive God's love, their own personality is just going to disappear and they'll become some godlike robot thing right? that, that just does the same thing over and over again, just like the other godlike robots do. Don't go there even at that point. You don't need to go there yet. All you need to feel is that emotion. Right? And a lot of us feel that, don't we? That we're going to be swallowed up by God. 
But actually, that's not a truth, but it's something we do believe within ourselves. It's also that wrathful, you know, like, you don't love me, I'm going to Exactly. So we feel that God's going to be wrathful with us or angry with us, punishing God. And it's going to bring up everything in us that isn't love. Yeah, and who wants that, eh? Yeah. We don't want to do that. No. no. So can you see there's a lot of reasons why we would resist God's love? Lots of reasons, isn't there? All right, so what are the reminders about your connection with God again? You're a soul. You are not a physical body, you're not a spirit body, you are a soul. And it's a what kind of connection with God? It's a soul-to-soul -soul connection. So again, forget about all the metaphysics, forget about all of those things. This is about love and it's about your soul-to-soul -soul connection with God. That's what it's about. This is real development, real spirituality. So how do you connect with God? By feelings, by emotions. Yeah, but, but it has to come from within these things called emotions and desires. And what else? Passions. And so forth, right? So you can't just connect with God here. It has to be coming from here at some point, correct? How do you know if God's doing anything for you can't see it? Well, that's one of the anger things that we need to work through with God, isn't it? That, that what's God done for me? Like, a lot of us feel like God's done nothing for us, don't we? Yeah. So, so we need to feel that. When, once you feel that and process that emotionally, you'll actually start feeling what God has done. The truth comes to you often only after you've experienced the error emotionally. So what's this connection called? Spirit. And it's a soul-to-soul connection. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Can you see why truth is so important? Right? God's truth, not yours. The Holy Spirit's directed by God's truth, not yours. It's Directed by your longing for God's truth and love. That's how things enter your soul. All right. So, what's that going to mean for you? Pain. Pain. The truth is that as the truth enters you, it's not painful. What's painful? Releasing the error, the error leaves. That's painful. Yeah, that's the painful thing. Many of us believe that the truth entering us is the pain. But, but the truth is that it's the error leaving us that creates the pain. And the pain and suffering is when we're in error. It's because we're in error. If all of us right now were in bliss, a lot of this conversation would be unnecessary, wouldn't it? Yeah. We'd be all talking about all these fantastic things that are going on in our universes and, and all of these wonderful experiences that we've been having. And Would we we'd be even talking about negative emotions? No. We don't have any. Why would you want to talk about them for? But the problem is, most of the time, is we want to get into that state while we've still got all these negative emotions in us. So we start shutting down and denying the negative emotions that are within us. Can you see that? 
and that's the dangerous thing to do. So, under the heading Experiencing Emotions Disharmonious with Truth or Love, you notice that I've said that all emotion has to be experienced before it can be released. So, if I'm angry with God, I'm going to need to experience anger with God. But if I stay angry with God, am I now experiencing it? What am I doing? I'm wallowing in it. I'm hanging on to it. I'm not releasing it. Right. So it's the same with all of these things. That's why I've written there, for example, don't choose to stay in the capping emotion. Being angry with God for not protecting with my, me when I was little is, a, is an angry feeling that I have. But just staying angry with God for that is not going to get <coughs> me anywhere, is it? What I need to do is step under that emotion at some point. The way I do that is by experiencing my anger with God. So this is where you get out your box and bag or your thing or your hose or whatever else that connects you with your anger or if it's just screaming or yelling like we did before and just really letting fly with God about how angry and frustrated you are with God dealing, having to deal with all those feelings. And if you let yourself experience that emotion in a childlike way, you will pretty much instantly get to the next stage which will be experiencing the grief that you feel with God. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. But if you just stay in a seething state, in a resentful state, what? Sorry? Yeah. Uh, no, more. Just seething and resentful, where you're really, really angry or upset. And submissive is the area where you're forgetting your emotions altogether, really. Right? But if you stay in that seething state with God, you can stay in that state for a hundred years. And there's spirits in the spirit world who've stayed in there for a thousand years. Or even more than that. Do you want to be angry like that for a thousand years? Right. Well, a lot of them do want to be angry like that for a thousand years. That's why they are angry like that for a thousand years. Until they choose to get what's underneath to actually fully experience the anger and go underneath the anger and into what's guiding the anger. Is it though an unawareness? Uh, no, I don't feel so. Like anger, <laughs> anger is a state of not wanting to be aware. It's a choice to be unaware. Yeah. If I experience my anger fully, I will quickly be aware. Yeah. But most of the time we don't want to experience our anger fully and really feel it in a childlike way. Because what does that feel like? Anytime we go in there in a childlike way, it starts feeling powerless, vulnerable, and all those kind of things that, you know, we want to feel powerful. We want to feel the opposite generally. And so we avoid that process. Yep. Don't damage yourself and others by the emotion. So don't feel angry, for example, and then go and go on a murdering spree, you know? That's an exaggeration, perhaps, of what you might do. But many of us will consider yelling at our children, for example, wouldn't we? Many of us probably have done that, right? Well, that's, a, that's where we're staying in an angry state, and now, instead of expressing it in an appropriate way, what we're doing 
is we're now dumping it on our children. What is that doing to our children? Damaging them. Just the whole thing of me not owning my anger is damaging them. But then dumping it on them as well is damaging them even further, isn't it? And so I'll have more consequences to deal with about that at some point. That's very damaging. Don't do that. Choose to feel your anger and express your anger, but do it in an environment that you are free to do it without harming somebody else. And if you want to harm somebody else, and many of us do, who, who wants to harm the person who hurt you? Like, who feels that way? Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Be honest about that. I feel like I really want to harm the person that hurt me. Go into that emotion. But allow yourself to fully experience and express it. The reason why you want to harm the person is because you do not want to feel your grief. And you want the other person to feel what you feel. Yeah. That's the reason why we do that. But by expressing that certain emotion towards the person we want to hurt... I didn't say to express it towards the person. Okay, that's, that's really I said to experience it and express it. No, there's no such thing as expressing it neutrally. How do you do without You don't do it with the other person. Yeah, even in my own room, it will still be energetically directed at that person. No, no. The, the moment you own it is the moment you are not projecting it. Right? While you see in it, you're not owning it and you are projecting it. The moment you own it and fully experience it, just like a child, you are now not projecting it. How does a child have a tantrum? Like, firstly, it goes into this state of raging against its parent, generally, doesn't it? At that point, it's projecting, right? Then it gets into the next state, which is the tantrum state, right? Which I just fall on the floor, kicking and screaming. <laughs> now they're not projecting it anymore, are they? They're now in it, they're owning it, right? Then what's next happens, usually? They get into a big crying fit then, don't they? And get into the causal emotion. You can do that just as rapidly as the child does it. But it's going to require you to have some courage and no self-judgment about that. Certainly. Well, there's two types of anger, really. There's the child, the child, childhood, childhood anger, and then there's the adult anger, right? The adult anger is like the resentment, the seething resentment, the, the desire to hurt somebody else because of it, all those kind of things. A lot of that is the adult reacting to this anger that's inside of them. But the answer is yes, you are going to have to feel the anger in order to access the next emotion underneath the anger. I tried, I tried that for a lot of years and I skipped over a lot of motions. Trust me, that's what I'm dealing with the next six weeks is because I've tried doing it that way and I skipped over a whole group of emotions that way. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Okay. When you kids are doing this, so I don't know why they're doing it, are they actually showing me exactly what's there? Totally. Yeah. Yep, your children. Yep, if your children are raging at you, they are showing you exactly what's within you. So what they're actually raging about is that what I? 
Yes. What, what they're raging about is a reflection of what you are feeling inside of yourself about that same thing. Yep. Children are very, very powerful helps for you if you choose to experience your emotion. Even old children, yeah. If you've got an, let's say you've got a 30 year old son and he's angry with you about one thing, then there's probably something going on within you. Grandchildren. Grandchildren are excellent too. Yep. Yep. Go for it, Lisa. Don't avoid it. So, what I've got there is express the rage fully until you experience the grief, then express the grief and the underlying hurt, and then you'll get to the point of forgiveness. And the point of forgiveness is where I no longer feel that feeling, that causal emotion within me. Do you follow me? What are the three stages, there. On the bottom. On the choosing to experience your emotions. Okay. And gratitude, you won't feel gratitude to anybody until you've released the negative emotion towards them. Yeah. So, so how can you feel grateful for something you're receiving from somebody if you actually feel angry with them at the same time? It's not really possible, is it? You're going to need to feel your anger, the underlying emotion underneath the anger, the grief, the sadness, the under emotion underneath that. Then get to the point where you are feeling all of those emotions have left you, once they've left you, you will automatically feel forgiving and you will automatically feel grateful in that interaction. Yeah. It all automatically happens. So can I illustrate that with some of these comments over page about God? We've already talked about how God feels about your feelings, pretty much. And we've already talked about today what causes your own suffering. Just one thing, a couple of things I'd like to mention about the suffering, though. If you, if you re resist the experience of your own emotion, you are just going to create more pain for yourself. So, no matter where you are, if you hold down your emotion, you are going to make it harder for yourself later. So, you might be at work trying to hold back the tears. You'd be far better off going into the loo at work and having a good cry. Do you know what I mean? Because the moment, as you're holding down those tears, you are now setting up a state where later you're going to have to now access that emotion again through some trigger, and then you'll have to experience it. You're actually doubling up all of your work. Right? So if you can avoid doing that, it'll be very powerful for you. If I act on my desires that are not harmonious with love, I'm going to damage myself as well. So if I say to myself, oh, you know, at the moment I'm angry, so I'm just going to stay in this anger, and I don't express, express it, I don't experience it, I just stay in the seething part of it, and I could stay there for a month or I could stay there for a year, what am I doing? I'm damaging myself that entire year. If I choose to get under it, or if I firstly choose to experience it fully, then automatically I'll get under it. Then I'm now out of that state. But you see, a lot of times we want to stay in the anger. Why? 
because we're afraid of what's underneath or we're addicted to the anger? Why would we be addicted to the anger? Because it's powerful. Yeah? It satisfies our want to hurt somebody or you know our, our self-justifications, doesn't it? Uh, sometimes we do, yeah, particularly if it's anger directed at self. Yeah. <coughs> All of those states are not going to help me get deeper. Does that make sense? When I fully experience the anger and really get into it, really get into a rage like a child would, within a few minutes you'll find most of the time you'll be in another emotion. Right? And that emotion will be the underlying emotion that's creating the feeling that you, why you want to get into anger. And we need to allow ourselves to experience that emotion then. And don't act upon your desire to harm others. Now that's really hard when you're angry, isn't it? Because right? what do you feel like? You feel like sayings and words that are just going to get under their skin. Or you feel like you know, maybe hurting them. Or if it's a child, you might feel like even smacking them or whatever. right? But all of that's just going to harm you even further. When you own your emotion, it'll be much better. Right. So, what I want to do now is just, exp just go through some of my personal emotions about different things, and some of my friend's emotions. And I've got the permission of the friend to mention her emotions, so uh, she's happy for me to do that. And I just want to illustrate some of the emotions towards God initially, and then towards the opposite sex or, and the same sex. Um, so this is my suggestion make a list make a list for yourself of how you really feel about God not, not how you want to feel about God down the end sometime or not you know, worried about God punishing you and so you don't say the truth anymore and not Worrying about you're not ever going to receive God's love if you feel this way. None of those things. But just write down exactly what you feel about God right now. Let yourself write it down. What it is right now inside of me that I feel about God. So when I did this, um, one of, I'll just explain a bit of background so you can understand perhaps my feelings. When I did this... Um, one of the biggest emotions that I have this century is that I don't want to do what, what I came here to do. And the reason why I don't want to do it is because I feel like I, I don't... I feel like I keep sacrificing my personal life for a duty or responsibility that's been given to me. Now, I never felt that in the first century, and I never felt that in the spirit world, but I feel it now. And, and I have some really strong anger about how much I'm getting pushed into a corner through my own emotional state in order to be in front of people, for example, teaching them these things, right? And so I'm feeling quite frustrated and angry about that still. And this is some of the emotions that I've been working through lately and that I have given myself a few more weeks to deal with. So I'll read some of them to you. I feel God has given me a responsibility and then made it as hard as possible for me to fulfil it. I feel the feminine side of God is uncaring, does not nurture me, is unloving and unkind towards me, expects me to do what she wants without support, 
wants me to sacrifice myself and my life for her will, does not care about me being happy in my personal life, is callous towards my own suffering and pain, does not want me or love me, does not want to give to me, wants to humiliate me in public, wants me to be alone, wants me to be in pain, wants me to suffer. God hasn't protected me, hasn't kept me safe, hasn't loved me, doesn't care for me, and will punish me if I say anything wrong, and she plays with my life. She does not want to send me help, and keeps on expecting too much of me. No matter how hard I try to do things right, she wants to make things even harder. God has made a mistake selecting me. Now that, that's just one emotion that I have towards God, and I could list 20 others, but that's just one group of emotions about responsibility. So the underlying feeling is that I've got too much responsibility, and I don't want it. Like, I'd rather just find my soulmate, go off into the wild blue, blue yonder, as they say, and, and have my fun time there, pass a peaceful life and a good life, and just pass and not have to do all of this. And it comes from a lot of fear. It does. It comes from a lot of fear about, you know, maybe my dying again, you know, maybe, uh, you know, that I'm going to be, you know, the constant source of ridicule and humiliation and things like that. So it comes from a lot of different emotions like that. Now, what I try to do then is I try to step into the anger of it. So if you see the next subheading, I've got experience the anger of how I feel about God's so-called treatment of me, right? I feel rebellious. I don't want to do what God wants. I'm exhausted and tired of suffering. I feel infuriated with God and want to hurt God as much as her laws have hurt me. I want to scream and yell and swear at God. She has exercised her power unjustly and I want to be, her to be punished for it. I feel God is wrong. I'm afraid because the power God has now and it seems that she wants to harm me with it. I feel overwhelmed with the responsibility. I'm angry with God for giving me a duty that I cannot fulfill and for not helping me in the way I wanted all the times I've asked for help. I'm irate, hostile, aggressive, infuriated, seething with rage, full of violence and want to abuse God and crack a temper tantrum. I'm outraged at the seeming injustice I keep experiencing at God's hands. I want to swear and curse at God and rebel. Yes, Jesus is having these emotions. You haven't got that thought on your own, AJ. Sorry? You haven't got that thought on your own, I know, I know. There's a lot more people who feel these things, right? Are you Pisces? Yeah. Well, it is the end of the Piscean era, isn't it? Is there a Ah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, definitely, and we'll see what, what's happening there in a minute once I go through the next slip. Certainly. But you need to, what I'm getting at is you need to express it exactly how you feel it. Whether that, don't have any judgment about it. Just express it how you're feeling. Very important. So what I've done is I've actually gone out this week in the punching bag and I'm smashing the hell out of the punching bag, screaming and yelling and swearing at God, right? Doing, I'm actually feeling those emotions as I'm doing it. And then once my, once my knuckles become red and raw, 
I actually put down the gloves and get out a baseball bat and then keep going. And then, and then it wasn't making enough noise, so I started on my tool shed as well. <laughs> right? And just let yourself connect to that. And in between all of that, what's happening is lots of different, like really strong emotions are coming up. And so, so I'll go bang, bang, bang through ten, you know, for five minutes maybe, and not, a lot of times not even that. And all of a sudden, I'll just be overcome with this grief and fall down on the ground and just sob. And then, then I'm angry again, so up again and again, and bang, bang, bang again. And then just allow myself to process through those emotions without judgment. Right? And, and as I'm doing that, what I'm finding is I, I'm actually uncovering a lot of emotions that I've kept buried for, for a long time. And I had tried the other alternative, which was I knew the emotion was there before, and so I kept trying to step underneath the anger. Do you follow me? And the problem with stepping underneath the anger every time was I wasn't fully connecting with what was creating the anger because the anger was still there sort of holding it in. Yeah? And so, so what I've been doing this week in particular is just really getting into it and just bashing the hell out of things. And, you know, Corny said I've sworn the most this week than I've ever, he's ever heard me swear in my life. <laughs> And, uh, and I've just been allowing myself to get into the emotions completely about that. And it feels terrible, to be honest. I get all of this terrible tension across my chest, but it's all there already, you know? And it's all starting to shift now. And, and my feeling is if I keep plugging away at this for the next six weeks or eight weeks or so, I'll be over a lot of it just by, by doing that. So bashing away, bashing away, bashing away. And sometimes I really get going, I start bashing my house and, and then back to the bag or whatever. <laughs> and just allow that to happen, right? So if you're going trekking, please don't bash too many trees down. Oh, no, no. I, my choice is to not bash anything that's alive. Yeah, so, so I don't do that. I hope the house is brick. <laughs> no, it's not actually. <laughs> no, I've, I've put a few whole, I've put a few things in my tool shed and a few other things which I'll have to fix later. But you worry about that when you're done, you know. And let you let you just let yourself express everything. Somewhere along the line, I have a belief that you can't heal in anger. You can't heal in anger. That is very true, right? But you do need to access your grief underneath the anger. And the only way you're going to do that, really, the fastest way I've found, is just to experience the anger in its full childlike... Isn't that more suffering? Isn't that really... It's in you, though. It's in you. So anything in you needs to come out. See, a lot of us want to step over anger. How many of you would like to step over anger? Yes. Yeah, see, yeah. see, it's a big problem in the world today. We want to step over it because we've got so much judgment about it, don't we? What, what judgments do we have about anger? It's destructive, it's wrong, unloving, childish, embarrassing. But it's already in you. While you're not owning it, you're projecting it. See, this is the thing I've been trying to say for the last six months to everyone is that if you are not in the emotion, you are at that moment projecting the emotion. So if you have anger inside of you that you're not in, you are actually projecting it at that moment anyway. You're just unaware of it. Why do you think dogs come up and bite you? Why do you think children come up and yell at you? And why do you think yeah. it's because of the anger that you have within you that's just getting reflected out to the environment? And the dogs pick it up. Everybody picks it up. Everybody. Yeah. When the moment you yeah. own it, 
is the moment they stop picking it up from you. The moment you experience it. And I don't mean going out and bashing them with it, because that's not owning it. I mean actually owning it by doing it in that, in that fashion that I've just described. What if you haven't got the law of attraction showing you any angry stuff? Does that mean that you haven't got angry inside? No, not at all. I have plenty of good law of attraction things happening, but that doesn't mean, you know, a lot of times though, if you're honest with yourself, you will see, you will see that, you know, there's lots of events going on that you're frustrated with in your life. Now frustration, I've found, covers over huge amounts of anger. And you know what we do with it, we go, oh, I'm, a, I'm a bit frustrated. You know, I'm just a bit frustrated. No? But in reality, what are we really? Seething with anger, we're just not allowed to have it. Right? That's what we are, really. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, then I had to try and step out. After my anger, I, like, what I've been trying to do is step into the underlying emotions as well, which is an emotion of grief. So let's look at my grief now. God hates me because I'm unlovable. I am nothing and cannot do what God asks. I am afraid and exhausted. I am unworthy of any caring emotion and only deserving of pain. I am helpless and insufficient. My life is not under my own control. I cannot be happy because God does not want me to be happy and does not want to have me have love in my personal life. I cannot do what God asks. It's too big for me to attempt. I'm sacrificed by God just because I love God and truth. I feel overburdened and helpless. I've been abandoned by God and soon will feel destroyed completely. I feel disappointing, unworthy, forsaken, tortured. I feel ashamed, self-conscious, wounded, exhausted, devastated, heartbroken, miserable, and my agony does not stop. There is no way out of my misery. So that are the emotions that I'm feeling <laughs> towards God at the moment. And what I'm wanting to do over the coming few weeks is really connect with those, you know, and really let myself feel those. There's quite a lot there, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's just one little side point of my <laughs> thing that I've got to work on over the coming weeks. Now, can you see in all of that that, obviously, as has already been pointed out, a lot of what I was stating was about the feminine side of God, wasn't it? And so, uh, so part of part of that, the question has to be asked: Well, why is there all this injuries on the feminine side, but no, it doesn't seem to be aimed towards the masculine side so much? And so, this is where the next step comes in very handy. And the next step is for you to focus on how you feel, firstly, about the same sex as yourself, right? and how you feel from the opposite sex to yourself. Now, what I've done there is I've, I've gotten all of my life and all of my law of attractions and I've put them together into one sheet. So, for example, in the first century, I'll give you some events that happened to me in the first century. When I was uh, about 21, um, there was this girl who, who my parents felt should marry me. And her parents felt she should marry me too. And she wanted to marry me as well. She 
had what you would suppose you'd call today a crush on me. And, and so she wanted to marry me as well. And I kept refusing. So I kept refusing the um, approaches of her parents, and I also kept refusing her approaches. She came to believe that if she, um, if she could get me into bed and have sex with me and get pregnant, that I would actually then marry her. And so she came around one evening when nobody else was home and, uh, and she tried to get me to go to bed with her. And I refused. Um, and I thought that was the end of it um, myself. But she went home and she had four brothers and a father. Um, and she went home and told them that I'd raped her. And what happened was the next day, they caught me and begun a beating of me. Um, they used red-hot spears that they'd heated in a fire and they stabbed me through the legs and, and the body, pinning me to the ground so that the blood wouldn't flow out. And then they'd kick, they'd kick all of my groin area into smithereens basically and they broke both of my legs and my arms and then towed me around behind a horse through the middle of the streets in the town naked and um, they, uh, they then um, allowed their dogs to eat my face and, and um, they allowed all of these, um, they broke my back and, and then just as a like I was feeling that I was going to die, the girl sent her mother to tell them that it was all a lie. So, um, so a lot of my feelings towards women are like that uh, just one lie from a woman can kill you, you know? And, uh, and so I've got, so, so the feelings from that event, what happened afterwards was that I couldn't walk and I, obviously, <coughs> and I couldn't um, look after myself at all. And my mother looked after me uh, for some time, but it took nearly three weeks before I became conscious. And <coughs> the first thing I seen when I became conscious is this girl came to visit, and um, she visited me, and then saw what she had done, really. And the next day, I woke up in bed, and she, she was hung herself on the rafter in my room and I couldn't take it down because I couldn't move so she just hung there for quite a few hours until one of the family came in and, um, and took her down and like even in death she tried to make me responsible for what happened you know and so so it took me um, it took me nearly two years before I could walk and I was fairly disfigured and was, was classified I suppose as a cripple and then I spent another three years living in a cave because I felt I couldn't live at home anymore because my, my father actually felt that their actions were justified. Um, so I had a lot of emotions to work through about my dad as well and, and my mum didn't speak up as well and so I left home, that's when I left home. And I left home and lived in the hills, in, the, in a cave in the hills, 
and a friend of mine who was uh, the master of the synagogue in Nazareth brought me food uh, two or three times a week until I could look after myself properly. Obviously, in time I healed all of those injuries um, and, and once I healed those injuries, um, it, it looked like that never even happened because, uh, you know, with divine love and once you get into a certain condition, um, you can heal all of those things. But can you see how, like, just one act of, just one life. And so I became really, in this life I've become really afraid of a woman's anger. So afraid that I'll almost do anything to avoid it. And it's been really hard for me in all of my relationships. I've done everything I possibly can just to avoid their anger. So much so that in my first relationship that I had, which was, my, which was a marriage, um, for 14 years, we were never, we never had an argument because uh, she had nothing to argue about because I just couldn't allow myself to even contemplate their anger. So that is added into this expression that I'm going to read in a minute about women. In the first century, uh, my mum followed me around a fair bit. Um, initially, she followed me around to protect me because she felt I was nuts and that if everyone knew I was nuts, they wouldn't kill me. So she felt that um, if she followed me around saying after I'd been talking that, uh, that I'm nuts, that, that people would um, you know, accept that I'm nuts and then obviously they wouldn't uh, try to attack me. And, uh, and so that, my, mo my mother's emotions in the first century are added into this. My mother's emotions now are added into this statement as well. And all of my relationships that I've experienced there's been four relationships I've experienced have added into this, into this expression that I'm going to read about women. Now understand that these are the, I know these are the capping emotions, right? These are the capping things. These are not the real things, but these are just how I feel about women. And many of them I've already dealt with. So many of these feelings I'm going to read out I've already dealt with. But I'm just trying to illustrate to you the importance of being really truthful and honest about everything that you feel. Right, so let's go into that, which is over the page. So what I've done is I've added all of those women together and created a one she. And then I've just expressed how I feel about this one person. Does that make sense? She is condescending towards me. She cannot see any good qualities in me. She is blind to seeing me is self-absorbed and selfish and does not care who she screws, is disillusioned with love, does not have a personal integrity, is not honest with herself, is willing, unwilling to forgive and blind to her own faults. She's superficial, has a fucked up desire for men who she can control and mother, talks about commitment but does not know its meaning. She wants security at all costs, does not want to take risks, does not want a deep love, treats me like a piece of shit unworthy for her love and attention. She uses sex for her own selfishness, is callous about sex, wants to control me with sex, wants to control me totally, wants to hurt me, rejects love, rejects me, lies to me, withholds the truth from me, has no courage, wants to put me down all the time, does not want to love me, is callous about love, is willing to harm me rather than deal with her own emotions. She treats me as if I'm un of worthless, treats me as if I'm beneath her. She treats me unjustly, treats me like an abusive man, 
belittles me, does not find me attractive, does not give of herself, only gives to me if she can control me, and is not freely expressive of passion or love. She's afraid of sex. She expects me to do for her what she refuses to do for me. She wants to keep her distance, wants to be not vulnerable, is ashamed of me, is ashamed of herself when she's with me, tries her best to hurt me rather than feel her own hurt. She is blind to her own faults but wants to pick on minor issues with me. She is willing to use her body to get what she wants. She has sex without her heart being involved. She uses me for sex but desires someone else. She hates me, hates my body, hates who I am, is callous and indifferent towards any pain and suffering she causes. And she's not sorry for anything she has done. She feels I am not big enough, handsome enough, good enough, sexy enough, masculine enough, attractive enough or intelligent enough for her. She hates me being Jesus and is ashamed of my identity. So that's my stuff. That's the start of my stuff, I should say. Right. Now what I try to do after experiencing all of that, just all those feelings, is like I went just again into that rage feeling of like really feeling and connecting with the rage about all of that. Do you know what I mean? And again, out come the gloves and the... Thing, and, I, and this is something I've been working through a lot lately, is just connecting to the rage completely. So it's all, it's all connected? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I suppose it's expected, considering my law of attraction. <laughs> um, I, I feel there's a lot of different feelings I have too, by the way. These are not the only feelings I have towards women. Um, these are more feelings that I have towards a personal partner or a mother figure. So you can see how many of these are related to my feelings about God. Can you see that? There's a big linkage between these feelings and my feelings towards God on the feminine side. So um, I, I have a lot of love for women too. And also a lot of respect for how women can process emotions and so forth. And obviously most of you women... You wouldn't be here unless you felt quite a lot of love coming from me already, right? Mm -hmm. So this is about me dealing with the things that are still blocking me. I'm just wondering, is it is, is keeping it in your face, so to speak, until you deal with it? Yeah, I've also, though, had like big laws of attraction about it. Uh, for example, when I organised the Mulaney uh, one day stuff that people came to, and I organised about 80 people, about 30 of them were men, and yet I got 20, 20 complaints from women, right? but no complaints from men, for example. So there's my law of attraction at work, right? And so it's all there just focusing on how women are always upset with me, how they always put me down, always condescending towards me. Many of you have felt condescension towards me at times and, and not even known it, and I've felt it. Um, and many of you have actually felt even emotions of like, when I'm going through an emotion or feeling some kind of emotion, you go, oh, poor dear, like, you know what I mean? That's yeah. not the kind of, that, that is a condescending emotion, like a mothering emotion. And I'm not looking for that, obviously. Um, but that's the kind of emotions you feel like expression <coughs> at times. So I feel all of those things. And yes, it's been really good for me to, to access my law of attraction. And it's also been good because a lot of the women who have been a bit closer to me have been extremely angry with me like really extremely angry. So much so that many of them now ha won't even speak to me uh, because they're so angry with me even now. Yeah. So that's my law of attraction too. Actually, <coughs> that first, that 
bad feelings that you had, if you came into the world and you felt that you didn't get that stuff you have to work through, how did you get to that law of attraction? You must understand, again, this all gets back to the reincarnation questions, really. Uh, reincarnation, and I've said this quite a number of times before, and my suggestion, again, is to read the Reincarnation and Divine Love thing that I've written. But all of, the, all of my 2,000 years of experiences are now filtered through my mother and father's emotions of this life. So every single memory that I've had, it's like having a memory again, it's having the event happen again, but this time with the emotional signature of my parents. But how did you track in the first night? Uh, All of these events. No, that, Laura, that, that, yeah, that particular event. I've got no idea at the moment because I haven't, because I'm processing the events, so I don't know how I attracted them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I can, I'll only know how I attracted them after I've processed myself through these. <coughs> and my feelings at the moment are that there are a lot of, there was a lot of untruth in the world I was living in then. And, and I was in a state, a fairly good state of truth. But, but truth, truth and error, obviously, often in very, very great conflict with each other. And so the more in truth you were in the first century, the more you got hurt. Yeah. Um, no, I think there is more acceptance of truth today than back then. Back then, you know, you just had to say something and you'd be killed for it. Nowadays, they might feel like, see you later, they might feel like killing you for it, but uh, they won't because there's a law. <laughs> Back then, you know, most of the laws weren't, weren't were worried about following through too much. So. Yeah, but if they're doing it just because there's a law, there's still no acceptance of truth, is there? No, but there's more, there's less projection of it in terms of less personal damage. Yeah. Yeah. But I also feel there's less projection too. Like, uh, there's a lot more people today who are willing or wanting truth in their life. Than there were in the first century. Yeah. Yeah. I wondered what happened to the um, young lady that hung herself. Well, I, I've been feeling about her quite a lot lately, and um, just I have a feeling. Um, I, I really, up until now, believed that she was actually a celestial spirit uh, that had worked through her issues. But I have some feelings lately that she may not have, and uh, and so I'll work through that when I when I've worked through this. Yeah. 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 Alright, let's go into the anger I feel. This is what, imagine me beating the hell out of and kicking the hell out of something here and just raging, right? I am bitter and caustic. I feel like raging and swearing at her. I'm so angry I can't get any words out. I'm outraged at the injustice she does not see herself creating and I feel contempt for her. She's despicable and unworthy of any of my attention. She deserves my scorn. I want to make her feel what I feel when I hurt. I feel like rebelling against her, no matter what her motives. She deserves to be punished, and I want to punish her. I want revenge. I feel injured and damaged and wrongly used, maltreated, and I want to yell and swear at her about that. I want to make her life as painful as she has made mine, and I do not want to be patient with her. I don't want to forgive. I just want to look as I want her to look as ugly as I feel inside, so she is disgusted with herself and what she has done. And then I'll feel, but then I feel bad about that desire when all I really want is for her to be sorry and about how she feels and acts and towards me. She wants to change who I am and can never accept me as Jesus. So I've just beaten the hell out of the, uh, the, the, the uh, boxing bag and yeah, like I generally beat it as much as my knuckles can handle and then 
then I get out the baseball bat and have another game. Um, I tried doing it with an axe and a few other things, right? But, um, but it got a bit dangerous, so this had to be Do we all have the same intensity of feelings locked away inside of us? I, I can feel these really dark emotions inside of the majority of you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the issue is, well, a lot of times we're just trying to shut it down, trying to shut it down, because they feel so ugly that we've got so much self-judgment, right? They feel so ugly inside of us that we don't want to experience them. You can do. You can think about each individual person and event. Yeah, yeah, you can do. Or, or you can lump it all together. It's just an expression of what you feel. In this case, in my case, an expression of what I feel towards the feminine. Do you follow me? Now, I've also skipped over the thing about that I've felt with my dad. So you can see it's much less. Uh, it's uh, halfway down the page. Is the, is the things about my father and how men have treated me, and it's much less. So most of my injuries have been to do with the feminine. Yeah. And I'm still working through many of them. So let's look at getting into the grief now. So, so I've now experienced the anger. You imagine me kicking and punching away. And then as I connect and kick and punch away, I start really grieving, right? Really grieving, like just falling over on the ground and curling up in a ball and just sobbing, right? And these are the kind of feelings that I had. I feel sad. Afraid I will never be happy, cold inside and without hope. I feel like I am nothing as a man, without value to a woman. I feel ugly and small, a piece of shit to be wiped out of my woman's life. I feel unnoticed, unheard, unwanted, abandoned and rejected. <coughs> I feel empty and alone. I'm not attractive to my lady, not sexy enough for her to desire me. I'm only good enough to be used. I'm ashamed of myself and powerless as a man. I'm unworthy to be who I am. I'm so sad that I cannot change who I am and be someone else who is more acceptable to everyone. No one accepts me. Everyone wants to be someone else other than Jesus. I feel tormented, abused, despondent, discouraged, hopeless and wretched. There's some of my feelings of grief with women in particular. How are we feeling? <laughs> Is that feeling heavy? Yes. Who wants to stop? <laughs> but can you see how, like, there's all these heavy emotions inside of us, right? And just me even mentioning some of my heavy emotions, what does that do with you? Ooh. Connects you with some of your heavy emotions too, doesn't it? Yes. And then, and what, what do we what, what do? we do? Well, a lot of times we try and skip over that. Oh, let's have a positive message. Let's go and have a drink. Let's go down a pub and have a few beers. You know what I mean? We do whatever we can to get away from all of this. And you can understand why, can't you? Because it's really hard to allow yourself to get into it. Yeah. So, so when you pass into the spirit world, you've got, to, you've got to do it all anyway. All of this work has to be done. Whether now or later. Might as well do it now, you'd be happier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Let me read out a friend of mine's uh, stuff about uh, where was it? Oh, about firstly about God. It's on page two, halfway down. I'll just give you a little background about my friend Katerina. Her name is. She lives in Greece, and I met her uh, probably be about six months now ago. And Katerina was one of the very few people I've ever met who got into an emotion, a causal emotion, within about uh, half an hour of a group. So what happened is we were having a group like this, there were about 30 people there, and halfway through the group she puts up her hand and says, does that mean I have to tell the truth about everything in my life? And my answer was, <coughs> yes. And that's all I said. You knew what she did? She started bawling there and then. She got up went downstairs into one of the rooms downstairs over there, and we could all hear her for the next hour and a half sobbing <laughs> her heart out. And she cried for an hour and a half downstairs. That's, she's the first person I've ever seen do that. That was the first time I ever met her, by the way. That's the first time I ever met her. So she's quite a special person, actually. Now, I'll give you a bit of background about Katerina. Her father was a policeman in the police force in Greece and he was very, very violently abusive man and still is, in fact, a very violently abusive man. He would come home from work, rape his wife and beat up his children almost every night. Right? He'd rape his wife, beat her and then rape uh, or beat the children. And by the time Katerina was five, you can imagine like the emotions that she had within her. Her mother's had 35 abortions. Because they were a Greek Orthodox family and they didn't believe in contraception. And so her mother went to a doctor to get aborted 35 times. So you imagine the condition that she's living in, this, this lady, my friend. And she's got... Uh, a lot of emotions about religion as well. She was brought up in the in a or Greek Orthodox faith, as I stated. When she was 14, she got her first period, and she was she was told she couldn't have Holy Communion. In Greek, in Greece, if a woman has her period, she can't have communion. So, what is that teaching you, as a woman? Yeah. When she was seven years of age, her father locked her in jail overnight for a whole night by herself. And she thought she was going to be left there for good. She was seven years of age. He did it to punish her. Um, and he left her there. He went home, left her there overnight in jail, seven years old. There's so many things that he, he, he's done, right? And, and mum too. Her, her mum left her husband only when he cheated on her. So in other words, she put up with all of this abuse of treatment and rapes and so forth until he cheated on her and then she left. She watched her children getting beaten almost every day, right? And didn't leave. And only left when he cheated on her. What does that tell you? Can you see how much she didn't want to take any responsibility for anything that was happening? Right? 
So this is what this is what my friend Katerina grew up with. So Katerina rang me last week, in fact, uh, and we were talking on the phone, and she says, "My 14-year-old son keeps telling me that the divine love stuff's all just fucking shit. <laughs> it's all just shit. Stop talking about it, mum." And she said, I don't know why he keeps saying this to me all the time. Why does he keep saying this to me all the time? How can I change his mind? And I said to her, it's not his mind you need to change. It's your emotions. What do you really feel about God? And so what we did then is we had a long discussion about what her true feelings about God were. So she's been longing for divine love, and she's received quite a lot of divine love already. But she wasn't facing many of the emotions she felt towards God. And so we started just over the phone, just listing off these different emotions that she felt towards <coughs> God. And here's some of the ones that we wrote down together. God has not protected me, has not kept me safe, even when I prayed with all my heart for the hurt to stop. God watched me be abused and did nothing. God hasn't loved me and doesn't care for me. If I say a bad thing about God, he will punish me. God doesn't want me. God plays with my life, and I'm just a pawn for him to move wherever he wants. God is a man and just lets me, men use me for sex, and lets men treat me as nothing. God doesn't love women, and God feels women are sexually unclean. God feels women are unworthy and must submit to men. Women are the ones that really hurt. Even when creating life, men just enjoy themselves and women really hurt. God made women to suffer, even in creation, and made men more physically powerful. God made men dominate me. God is a man and women are forgotten. So these are all of her feelings about God. Notice how the gender relates to... Can you see what's going on? The gender relates to the primary her. You see that? Uh, God is, has both masculine and feminine qualities, though. So, so while God is neither a male or female, God does have masculine and feminine qualities. So you will find if you have an injury with your mother, you will not be able to connect to the feminine side of God. Or if you have an injury with your father, you will not be able to connect with the masculine side of God. Does that make sense to everyone? Yeah. And can you see how we term God when we have certain injuries? You can see how I've been terming it? All my injuries? Mostly as a feminine God. Right? In other words, it's the feminine side of God that I have the majority of my injury with, my pain with. Right? In the case of the lady, Katerina, her injury is with the masculine side of God. And so her son was saying to her that it's all just shit, you know, all this dealing with divine love, this little shit. And the reason why she's saying that is because there's a feeling inside of Katerina that it's all shit. There's a feeling inside of Katerina that, well, I can't trust God. What am I talking about? What am I doing? Asking God for love when really, how am I feeling about God? I'm feeling shut down. I'm feeling like really angry and upset and I'm feeling all these different things about God. And so her son was just perfectly reflecting at her what she was actually feeling inside of herself. Can you see that? So we need to write a letter to God? Well, you can write a letter as much as you like. Oh, yeah. My feelings are you need to experience yeah. this emotion. 
the trouble with a lot of these new agey type things like writing letters and all those kind of things, unless you're experiencing the emotion, they do very little. But if you're experiencing the emotion, they'll help you a lot. So it just depends. Who created all the laws of the universe? Yeah, I understand all that. But yeah. on the level of everything that everyone feels and goes through and everything, all those emotions is actually all about themselves. I know, Karen, that at the moment you have some very deep rage about God. And you just you just skipped over all of that. Right? Because I can feel it within you. And you've skipped over all of that with some intellectual reasoning. Just like we did earlier in the discussion. <coughs> you know how you skipped over that unheard feeling? Yeah. You're doing the same with this particular feeling. This is something you've learnt to do, and it's okay. The key is to recognise that it's going on for you. How do you feel when I'm saying those things about God? I feel that um, God would. I, I feel that God would be wanting to cry about the, the pain that And can you see why you're so shut down now? Can you see what you do with people's emotions, other people's emotions? What do you do? You feel responsible for other people's negative emotions. And you feel responsible for what God would be feeling from my emotions. And that's why you don't allow yourself to feel the anger that you actually have with God. There's actually a shutdown mechanism occurring. Right? That's suppressing that. The key, the key is to allow yourself to see that what's actually going on is if I don't want somebody else to feel hurt, I'm not going to let myself feel my own emotions. You follow me? How many of you feel responsible for other people's emotions? It's a big issue, is it not? A big issue. Yeah. And you know what? Once you become at one with God, do you think you're going to be feeling responsible for anyone's emotion? No. You won't feel responsible for absolutely anyone's emotion other than your own. So, me just feeling responsible for God's emotion is an emotion in itself or a blockage to feeling some emotion. Me feeling responsible for your emotion is going to also be a blockage for me experiencing my own emotion. So, like, for instance, if I stopped talking the instant I heard you, feel, felt you all get depressed about what I was saying today, then I would have stopped an hour and a half ago. Right? But what I'm trying to illustrate to you is that there is all these different emotions inside. And there is a really simple way to access them, is allow your anger to be present, Go into your anger and experience it, and then go deeper into it and just go into a childlike state with your expression of your anger, but do it in a safe environment and then connect with what's underneath. And really just get going, you know? And then connect with what's underneath and really connect to that. And if, talk about it if you have to talk about it, but act. Most people talk too much and act not enough. So I'm there saying, oh, this is how I feel, this is how I feel, this is how I feel. Like, I'm not feeling it while I'm doing that. If I'm feeling it, do you think I'll be able to even talk about how I'm feeling? Not really, hey. So, how do you feel about all of that? Good. Now, that's all very truthful with you, right? And my, my suggestion now is for you to try some of this in your life. To actually try connecting with these emotions in this manner. Now, when you release these emotions, if we just go over the page, 
You notice I've put three headings. Truth about yourself can enter you when you've released these emotions. Truths about God can enter you, and God's love will flow into you without resistance. So let's look at the three of those things. The truth about yourself, the truth about what God can enter you, did I say? The truth about yourself, sorry, firstly, can enter you. While you're holding on to personal errors and personal feelings about yourself, which we could call or term your ego, while you are holding on to that, the real truth about how you really feel inside of yourself is not being faced. So it cannot enter you. You are refusing the real truth about yourself. Now, if you're refusing the truth about yourself, so remember our little diagram about our reception of divine love at the start, right? Here's our soul. Here's God's soul. And remember we said what kind of connection was this? Just the Holy Spirit. And what is it called, so-called? Spirit of truth, right? So this is the truth connection, if you like, between you and God. Now, if this soul is denying the truth about itself, can this connection happen? It cannot. It's like doing this and putting a block there on your soul. Can you see that? Yeah. That's what you're doing when you deny the truth about yourself. Now, I'm not talking about your intellectual truth. I'm talking about your emotional truth. Now, can you also, so, so you can see that I need to face the truth inside of this soul. Now, if I have some beliefs about God, emotions within me, that are emotions within me about God, inside of me, can you also see I'm now doing that? Yeah. That's right. Because I'm denying the truth about God. Can you see that? Okay, so you can see that if I don't, if I don't release the emotions inside of me that are towards God, then I'm denying the emotional truth from God. And if I don't release the emotions within me about myself that are untruthful, then I'm denying the truth about myself. And if I do any of those two things, God's love cannot flow. And remember, the truth is not about getting it here. The truth is about feeling it here. So you can get here, oh, God's not to blame for anything in my life. So you can know that. All of you know that here, right? Maybe. But we don't feel it here. And it's the feeling connection that connects between this divine love connection. You follow me? Without the feeling connection, nothing can happen. It's all just an intellectual exercise of no point. So can I just ask a few questions? Yeah. Do you have to feel all that emotion before you receive any divine love at all? No. It's a gradual process. As you release one, you receive some. As you release a bit more, you receive some more. As you release a bit more, you receive some more. It's like that continually. Yeah. Does that make sense to everyone? It just will keep flowing through you. As you release one, you'll feel some more. And you'll feel it happening. And you'll feel your heart changing. You'll feel your heart opening as you do this. Right? But if you deny the truth about something in yourself, or you deny a truth about God in yourself, and I'm not talking about denying it here. I'm talking about denying it here. Then you will not receive divine love in that instant. You will only receive divine love when you are open to the love flowing through you, which also means being open to the truth 
flowing through you, which also means being open to all of your own emotions flowing through you. Does that make sense to everyone? Yeah. Um, I think you're worried. The, I'm making you worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why? It, it took me nine months to actually realise that I had problems with my childhood. Yeah. Now, you're, and I personally, I don't feel any anger towards God. So, in nine months' time, I'm not going to start feeling anger towards it? You may. Is it, is it foregone conclusion, or is it only... It's very, it'll be very... There's three people in your life, if I could say three souls in your life, that you are going to have a lot of different feelings about that are currently you might not allow yourself to feel about. They're going to be God, your dad, and your mum. <laughs> And the key is for you to allow yourself to experience all of these emotions without judgment. Don't worry about what's not there now. Like if, if you, if I was saying, if you'd asked me two or three years ago, did I, was I in a rage towards God? I would say, what are you talking about? No, right? I don't feel any rage towards God because I didn't at that time. But I wasn't working through the emotion of this responsibility duty emotion that I'm working through at the moment, right? feeling like my whole life is now out of my control and I'm just going to be bombarded with people after people after people after people and I'm going to have no privacy. And that emotion has come up through my law of attraction over the last, you know, five or six weeks. Mm -hmm. That's just presented me with this life that I'm afraid of. Mm -hmm. And I've been afraid of it the entire time. That's why I'm shy about saying who I am and that's why I'm not, you know, doing more to talk to people publicly because I am afraid. And I need to firstly work way through that emotion and work way through what's going on underneath before I will not be afraid. So I'm not so the way I'm trying to address it is not by going out there and just doing what I'm afraid of, because in the end I'll still be afraid. Right? What I need to do is allow myself to actually dig into the real emotions underneath this and feel them and experience them and release them. That's what I need to do. And you'll find the same. So you'll find that your soul is opening up like a, like a, uh, it's like a flower, really, in a way. So when it's just the bud, you don't see the flower, right? And then as slowly the petals start to unfold, and this is what happens with you as you experience your emotions, and as you actually begin to grow spiritually, what's happening is this little bud that you are starts unfolding, right? And eventually it keeps unfolding and keeps growing and keeps blossoming and keeps growing, and eventually it opens up into full bloom and that's when you are the beautiful person that you are without the injuries if you like until then you're held in tight by all these different injuries or you could liken it to the blossoming of a caterpillar into a butterfly and you've got some wonderful butterfly stuff up all the way through here hey and, and I went to one in Cairns uh, about a year ago and I just sat down on the floor of the, the thing crying actually and because I could feel that the opening up of the soul is exactly the same as that transformation process. That was it, chrysalis? Chrysalis process. That 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 the grub goes through becoming a butterfly, and and that's what you're doing with your soul. Your soul is growing. So now that's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to recognise right now, right here and now the 150 different emotions that you have within you that you need to release in order to get to that state. But the emotions will slowly be released if you're open to the process and you're open to this process of 
experiencing your anger, getting underneath the anger, experiencing the grief, getting underneath the grief and feeling those really deep core emotions that are even underneath that and really going for it. Yeah. All emotions are like a bottle. They get tipped out, tipped out, tipped out, tipped out until at the end all emotion will just pass through you and you won't hold on to anything. It's very hard to trust that. It is, but let's look at it from a theory point of view. When you were a little child, right? So here's you as a little child, let's say. So you're a little child. What you're doing is you're absorbing emotion from your environment, right? So you're absorbing emotion from your mum, a lot from your dad, but also a lot from other other areas of your environment, right? So parents, grandparents, all sorts of things, all absorbing into you. Now, normally with a child, what would happen is every one of those emotions would just pass straight through them. In other words, they'd allow the experience of the emotion completely and it would never enter them. It would just pass through them. So every emotion that you got from your mother would normally just pass through you. So let's say mum's angry, you would feel angry. Mum's sad, you would cry. <coughs> but you would, if under normal circumstances, it would just pass through you if, to completion. But what happens you is that you'd feel it and release it. You'd feel it and release it as you're going, right? But what happens is, what do the parents then do with you crying? So they shut you down. So your parents are now not only giving you the emotion, but on top of that, now what they're doing is shutting you down from actually having it pass through you. So they're saying, no, 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 no. I'm giving you these emotions, but you're not allowed to have them go through you. You've got to just bottle them all up. That's what they're saying to you. So what happens is the emotion fills up, fills up, fills up in you, doesn't flow through, and eventually you're full to the brim of these really, really damaging emotions. Does that make sense? You start to turn in, that well, you turn in usually a long time before that, but, but you just keep getting hammered even when you turn in. When you, when you go within yourself, your parents are still hammering you with their emotions that they don't want to own, and they're still telling you the things that shut you down so you don't experience them. Every time you want to get into a temper tantrum, what do they do? Shut that down too, give you a belt for that. Then you get injustice feelings on top of that. You know, how unjust is it to have an apparent emotion pass through you, you're experiencing it, and then they also punish you for experiencing their emotion that they should have been owning in the first place. Right? That is a very damaging thing that's going on, right? This has happened to all of us, by the way. So what's happened is it's filled us up. It's filled us up full of crap, right? Because we couldn't allow the full expression of it. You could say that the emotion is frozen. Because remember, like, emotion is energy in motion, right? When it's frozen, it's just frozen energy. Inside of you, killing you. It's literally killing you. This is why we get disease. This is why we get sick. This is why we have all the damages occur. It's killing us, this emotion that's frozen. Now, every single one of those emotions needs to pass through us. That's all needs to happen. It just needs to pass through us. And of course, there is a limit to how long, like, how many of those emotions there are. Because we only had a finite life so far, haven't we? So... Well, the chakras are a reflection of, the spirit's body's reflection of the emotions in the soul. 
right? So the emotions in the soul actually control your chakras. So you know when people do spiritual healing on you and get your chakras open and all those kind of things, your soul has already closed them down anyway. Because your soul is full of these emotions that are closed down, that you are frozen in time, that you do not want to experience. You follow me? And what we need to do is allow their experience. They are all going to be very childlike in nature. And that's okay. Because we need to allow their experience. Right? Now if we do that, if we let that happen, what will happen is this emotion will just pass through us and we'll be free of it completely. Question here. <coughs> you told us that when we come to the world, we get inherited <coughs> a lot of emotions from our parents. So that's how it happened. It happened in the moment we come to earth. As soon as we incarnated, as soon as we actually incarnated, the emotions, the emotions that we had, uh, started. We started absorbing emotion from our surroundings from the moment of incarnation. So the moment that your spirit, that your soul connected with the spirit and material bodies that were created in mum's womb, from that moment you are absorbing emotion. And any emotion that your parents have not experienced, you will be experiencing from that moment. Every emotion that your parents have locked up within them, you will experience from that moment. Everything. And that's how we became full of this stuff. But even then, in the, even in the womb, they pass through us if our mother lets them pass through her. Right? They're only damaging when she shuts down, her father shuts down, we shut down. Right? When we shut down, they start filling us up. They like a bottle of water that hasn't got a tap on the bottom, right? Filling up, filling up, filling up throughout her life. And once you make the choice to tip it all out, just how far you tip, how much you need to tip out will be just depend on how much has got in there, how much you didn't fully experience. That's all. Now, with God's love, a lot of this stuff can come out so rapidly, and this is why I said, this is why I've addressed this issue today about dealing with your frustration, anger, resentment, and grief with God, because if if you if you do that, then you'll find the whole process becomes much, much easier on you. Right? Much easier. If you do not do that, then you'll be doing it on your own. And that is a lot harder. It's a lot harder to work through these emotions on your own. So, allow yourself to deal with the emotions you feel about God. Right? And the thing that determines that is your relationship the parent relationships, the injuries you have with the feminine, the injuries you have with the masculine, and the, images, the, the, the specific injuries you have with God. Let yourself work through them. It's the easiest to do the ones with the mother and the father first and then God? And it can be, yeah. yeah. A lot of people find that it's easier dealing with mum and dad emotions first than it is dealing with God, God emotions. Yeah, certainly. What is the... What's your representation of the uh, masculine? Is the feminine? Um, My representation of the masculine is God. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the feeling is the feminine. Oh no, 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 don't, don't, no. That's not the case. Got masculine and feminine are all feeling. 
all of its emotion. There are different types of emotions, but they're all emotions. You follow me? So men and women are just as capable of experiencing emotion as each other. God created us just as capable as each other of experiencing emotion. So there are some, there are some basic differences in terms of how we do that. A woman will often experience the emotion completely without observing herself doing it. A man will often observe himself doing it and not experience the emotion. Right? And they need each other to correct those particular injuries that have caused that state to be. I heard it, but I felt like I kind of didn't quite okay. get full of it. Um, you'll hear it again on the tape if you get one. But, um, <laughs> the, uh, I, the, the masculine injuries often is that we can observe an emotion, but we often don't allow ourselves to fully experience the emotion. The woman injury often is that they experience the emotion, but they don't allow themselves to observe that it's actually an error-based emotion. Right? So in other words, they think it's the truth. A man will often see it's not the truth, but he won't let himself experience the emotion. A woman will often see, experience the emotion and think it's the truth when it's actually an error. Now, the two, of the, the two halves need to come together and help each other work through those particular, those particular issues. If the woman can help the man fully experience his emotion, and the man can help the woman observe why she's doing it, then, then you can have a very, very good relationship working through different emotions. Uh, AJ, when, when we work on our emotions, um, it doesn't help our parents who have passed away, but it does help our children. Helps our children very much. It can help our parents in that they will feel you releasing emotion, and they will feel the difference of the projected emotion towards them. And that may cause them to shift, but it depends on their resistance. But bear in mind, it was their resistance that created your own. So, you know, it might not be as easy for a parent to deal with their emotions if we're dealing with ours and my parents not dealing with theirs. So, that, but with our children, because we created all of their emotion, they often it often has a very powerful effect on our children. Do parents in the spirit world um, know what we're doing and when we're processing our emotions? They, they feel every single emotion that you're processing towards them. There's actually like streams of energy that you can see when you're a spirit going from you to the person you've got a problem with. Like cables. Like cables. Right. And those cords or cables lessen in intensity or increase in intensity depending on what you do with your emotion. So if you own your emotion, the cable lessens in its intensity. They feel a, lower, a lowering amount of hurtful emotions themselves getting directed at them. From you. From you. Right. If, if you get into anger, it increases in intensity and they feel a stronger emotion coming from you. And they suffer. And they suffer from that, yes. Yep, certainly. But you don't give in to the anger to release it. Yes, no, don't, you don't understand. When you're, when you're in the anger, remember I'm, re I'm referring to the childlike expression of this anger, which is you owning it. When you own it, they will feel it less. It's only when you deny it, shut it down, that they feel it more. continue to be angry with them. Exactly. So if you stay in resentment towards them, they will feel that more and more and more and more and eventually they might come and try to harm you with it too. So it's like a punishment, you're punishing them without realising that. Yes, yeah. And that's the feeling coming from us most of the time, isn't it? Isn't it the feeling coming from most of the time when somebody has hurt us that we just want to hurt them back? And that's so the truth. Even though they're not your body, you're still punishing them. Even though they're a spirit, yeah, yeah. you're still punishing them. Yeah, yeah. Is my, uh, my 
Uh, no, no, that was it. That was it. No worries. No. If, if you release emotions can help your children, can it also help your parents? If they still that was alive? a question. That yeah, but if they were still alive, I mean, that's the same applies whether they're still alive or past. Immaterial, uh, which one it is. Remember that everything I'm saying is the same as whether a person is alive or dead. They are still souls. All of the interactions are the same. At the soul level, every interaction is identical. Yes, I, I just resonate so much with what you say. It's sad because so many things you say is happening to me. And, and would you say that it wouldn't happen the anger and the rage that's in my head, growing up, crying for years about events and parents and all, all of it? And would you say the, the end of it is really just wanting God, wanting with everything, every mm. fiber, everything? Yeah. You'll find that in the end of all of your processing, so don't try to skip to this place before the processing finishes, but you'll find when you start getting to near the end of the processing, you will start realising that in fact there are two primary desires in you, and when they are not fulfilled, there is all of these creation of different emotions. The first primary desire is a connection with God. Right? So that, that is the biggest primary desire within each of us that, that if we connect to and, and realise and allow ourselves to experience, we'll find that satisfies so much. The second desire, primary desire, is a natural love connection with our soulmate. That's the second desire that we have. So, you know, those kind of basic desires will be there in the end. Um, but don't try to skip over all this stuff to get there. That's the important thing to do. Don't skip over. Why did you say natural love connection? <coughs> And the, the connection with God is the only divine love connection. Because remember, that my definition of divine love is love that comes from God's soul and enters your soul. The connection with your soulmate is not a divine love connection. It's a natural love connection, which is the love that comes from your half of the soul to the other half of the soul. So that's a natural love connection. So there's spirits in the sixth sphere who have not received any divine love who are with their soulmates within that natural love connection. The two connections are entirely, entirely different to each other. When God's love enters each half of the soul to the point of abundance and then continues to grow, that's when the soul union can take place, which is a completely different condition. Yeah. It's necessary for, to invite in um, divine love to receive absolute truth in its forms. Yes. Uh, a lot of times, though, we receive the love after we've got the truth, yeah. not before. Yeah. Um, when I say that, it's more we receive the love after we've released the error, actually. Because <coughs> um, it's usually the error that prevents the reception of love. So, for example, if I've got a feeling inside of myself of unworthiness, that is automatically preventing my connection and a full connection with God, isn't it? Because yes. I feel unworthy to God. So, really, my soul is saying... Give me some love, give me some love. Oh, no, 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 not that much. In fact, I've seen many of you start open up emotionally and have God's love pouring into you 
and you shut it down there and then because it's too overwhelming for you. I've seen that actually happening in our groups at times, right? Where, where, the, where divine love is entering you, and you start crying and you start trying to hold it down because we're in a group, right? If you just let it flow, you'd find that God's love would be just flowing into you at that moment and it would just keep flowing into you, right? But a lot of times what we're doing is we shut it down because we're embarrassed or afraid or whatever other feelings of fear that we have that shut us down and stop the connection. So this is why I'm saying to you, feel all the time. Let yourself feel all the time, whatever those feelings are. Now, when you start, many of the feelings will be hard, you know? Yeah. And allow yourself to feel them. Allow yourself to feel them to completion. Let yourself do that. Um, it's getting it's nearly quarter to six. We still want to be asking questions, or is everyone tired? I think I think it's perhaps time to stop myself. And um, there's just. Uh, I don't know when I'll be doing another group aside from December the 13th in Brisbane. Um, I've decided to keep that one on the schedule. And if you don't have email, if you're not on the email list or something like that of Peter's, then may, is there a way to put their names down, Peter? Um, they could write it on one of the uh, order forms on the back out there. Yeah, yeah. If they just want to double check that they're going to be on the list. Okay, yeah. So. What we'll do is if you want to come to another session at some time in the future when I do some more, uh, which will probably be in around maybe six weeks' time or something like that, um, if you're on an email list, then we can just email out to you um, that information. But thank you very much for your time today, too. Thank you.